This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Atnip Enterprises. Uh, Jeremy Atnip also is the car owner of uh, Peyton Looney's late model. They do excavating, they do some trucking stuff. They do a little bit of everything, so if you need anything like that done, get a hold of Jeremy Atnip. But uh, today we're in Walker, Missouri with Gary Clark here at the original locations of Dirtworks Race Cars. Uh, looking forward to this one since I got a hold of Gary. I'm very thankful that he allowed us to come down here and waste a couple hours of his time. <laughs> but it's uh, I think this is going to be cool. It's going like I said when we got here, we don't really know. I don't know much about you. Just grew up watching you, so this is going to be a, a good one for us to listen to along with everyone else. So, yeah. I'm excited about doing this. Um, I, I when you messaged me and asked if I do it, I, I I had literally just got done listening to the one because it took me a couple different times because it was so long listening to the one that you did with Scotty, <laughs> and uh, really enjoyed it. And then you messaged me and asked if I do it. And I was like, heck yeah, I'm yeah. I'm in. It's uh, we, we we had a list of people um, that I've originally wrote down whenever we were buying this stuff, and you were on the list. But Joe Duvall actually poked me again. He said to double dog dare you to do it. So Joe's responsible for the immediate message because we've been kind of playing it along by what we can get to closely and try and plan some stuff out ahead. So this one here was good enough to where we could plan it out to make sure you didn't have anything going on, and Joe was poking so maybe joe's back listening to the stuff again we did him like our fourth one wasn't it austin yeah yeah so, i need to listen to that one because i'm sure that's pretty, pretty he wobbly. was pretty calm was he he was actually his daughters were out his daughter was out there oh so, luckily yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah he cut loose at the end of it and said a couple of things we may have had to bleep out but <laughs> joe's a good guy he's yeah. he's kind of nutty but he's a good guy he worked with us really good for the situation we had that night yeah. we had all kinds of troubles so we well, i think we left claremore after midnight yeah, that's like a pretty good haul for you guys. Yeah, it was two hours down there probably, and we started on it, and the computer messed up. We had to go buy a new one to oh. start again. Oh, no. So luckily he was wound tight. He had Kid Rock playing, so he was good to go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sorry I don't have any music playing in the background. Well, I didn't know if he was going to turn it down, did you? I I had to go over there and turn it down. I had to walk. And, that's part of yeah. Joe's I, thing is, I, <laughs> is I the music in the background. I came in here when I started working on that car over there, and I turned the radio on because the guy that – he drove a street stock for for a while. Had left his radio in here, and, st- and actually, some of the stuff it's it's still his. It's in here. And uh, I walked over and turned the radio on, and and the the CD changer started doing some crazy stuff. And I turned the radio on, and I could get two or three stations, but the CD changer was going so loud it sounded like it was going to explode. So I just <laughs> unplugged it and left it alone. I don't know how you work out here if it's quiet. It's gotta have. If if I'm working in the garage, I can kind of do it alone. But if there's no music when Dad's out there, we stop. We got to get the radio fired yeah. up. Any, anything is better than silence to him so, so <laughs> it's good enough but except for ronnie Millsap. yeah you like ronnie Millsap? i don't hate ronnie Millsap. <laughs> okay I, I okay mean, I, if i listen to country music i'd just soon listen to old country music yeah. as some of the stuff that they got today yeah i agree except for that we just talked <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that last time we got mixed emotions on that some people were kind of mad some people were okay with it <laughs> Jeremy Atnip sent me a video of him listening to it <laughs> this morning. So in memory of, of me, he said. So <laughs> well, Gary, um, everybody kind of knows uh, your background on, on the chassis part of it. But let's start from the beginning, um, or the beginning of you. Or we can go, we'll, go, we'll start from the dirt work side of it and then work into you because that's – I mean, we're here. I told you that would be awesome if, we, if we're going to do it here. So yeah. we didn't hear about the beginning of – Bump that mic closer to you. This one? Yeah. That better? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
you know, Dirtworks, of course, started in, in Monet, Missouri. Gary Bass is the one that, that originated Dirtworks and, and started building cars. And um, my dad raced for, I'll probably screw this up, but I, I, I believe my dad raced for 12 years because he didn't want to go into the 13th year because he said 13th year was going to be a bad year. <laughs> and I... And I got mad because, I mean, he sold everything that he had to race with. I mean, he sold the car and the motors and and his hauler. And I got mad because that's all I'd ever known. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up around this stuff. And and uh, that's what we did on Saturday nights, what we did on Sundays. And and uh, so I was – I didn't talk to my dad for like two weeks. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we didn't stop going to the races, but it was it was different, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um so he got hooked up with Gary. Uh, my dad used to to look at what sits here on this property now to what it used to be. Um, unless you had seen it originally, you wouldn't have any clue um, because the that building that you took the the picture of with the sign down there um, that's part of the original stuff. The actual first original building doesn't sit here anymore. It was the building next door between here and that one. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an old blacksmith shop, and that was my dad's race shop. And that's where he started doing the stuff in. But uh, the corner building over here, my granddad had a an automotive shop that he did repair work in. And out back here, um, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, it looks like it's forever. It's huge. Um, my dad had a salvage yard. Now, you know, with the amount of property that's here, obviously it wasn't as huge as, as my small child body seemed like it was. But, um, but he would pull frames out of cars and, was selling the Gary build cars on. It's how kind of we got started. Well, then um, we ended up doing a parts truck, you know, selling parts for him. And then he ended up moving chassis, building up here. And, uh, I mean, the progression of things just uh, got us right back into the racing deal. And, and it was – so it was still fun for me, but it was different. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, from the time that I was, you know, as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a race car driver. And I would – I mean, he – Growing up, anybody asked me, and I know, even as I was getting older, teenager in high school and stuff, what are you going to do whenever you get older? I'm fixing to drive race cars. That's what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, it was, I wanted it to be easy, but my dad didn't make it easy for me. <laughs> you know, a lot of people thought it was easy for me, but, um, you know, everybody always thought that everything was just handed to me and given to me. But, um, I mean, my first, to the race cars, I, I paid for them out of my pocket, and then as I sold them, I'd buy something different and and keep it going. And and finally, I got to where um, we were doing enough, and and I had progressed enough that I could um, have a new car. And uh, you know, so you know, to to have a humble beginning of of taking a uh, Mercury Bobcat and, and making a mini stock out of that I couldn't race anywhere except for Humboldt and Springfield. Uh, I tried to take it to Nevada and they didn't have, they wouldn't, didn't want a part of it. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, to be able to do the things we did as far as traveling in a modified, um, you know, I just wanted to race around home, you know, and have fun with my friends. I, I never had aspirations at the time when I was saying I was going to be a race car driver that I was going to be able to do the things that I did. Yeah. So, so you start, you started in a mini stock. With, yeah. And what, where did the mini stock turn into? Um, I ran it, well, I had a go-kart and I, just to be real honest, I was way too fat to run a go-kart very often, <laughs> very much. I run the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I sold that and, uh, I took that money and I bought this Bobcat and, and built this 
many stock out of it. And we didn't do anything. I mean, it was a race car. Don't get me wrong, but it had the stock motor that came in the car. We didn't do anything to the motor. Um, we put, we put real brake pedals in it instead of the stock ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we took it to Nevada, they're like, this thing's a race car. You can't race it. Because either. of the pedals? That was one of them. Really? I mean, they, that and the fact that I rolled it out of the car. And, of course, I mean, I, or out of the trailer, we, we showed up that night. The first night I took it to the racetrack, and and Andy Claiborne worked here at the time. He had that big yellow trailer that Rex had for all those years. Yep. And uh, we showed up, and, and it was funny because, you know, 20 people are gathered around there thinking Andy's car's getting ready to roll out of this trailer. <laughs> and we opened the back door and rolled this thing out. And these guys all just kind of cocked their head and looked at it, shook their heads and turned around and walked away. <laughs> well, then here come about 30 other guys from the back part of the pits where the mini stocks were parked. And, and it was not, it was not pretty. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of threats and things. And, and I actually, a good friend of mine was one of what was kind of mouthing me that night. I give him a hard time about it still today, but, um, it's like, man, if you, if they put that thing on a track, I'm going to put him on his head. And I was like, <laughs> dude, come on. But, uh, we're, we're friends and, and I never really just let that bother me, but it's fun to pick on him. About. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we ran that thing for about half a season and, uh, it just, because I could only run it so much, so many places. I, uh, North Fork, of course, was going big at the time and Tom mm-hmm. Bennett was gracious enough to let us run down there a few times. And, uh, um, my first feature win in a mini stock came down there. Um, that's only because Mark Knight spun out and I passed him. And I was gonna he was ask, like a half track behind me, and I was able to get to the checkered flag before he could catch back up with me. Going to ask you if if your first win came in that mini stock. Yeah, it, it actually did. I mean, I didn't I didn't count it very much as a as a win win, but mm-hmm. I mean, it was a feature win. Oh, yeah. and, you know, all the same. And um, so anyway, uh, Andy Andy Claiborne was really big on on getting me in a race car. Uh, helping me get there. Uh, he, he convinced my dad to let it happen and, and convinced him, uh, different steps and different stages of things as I was going along. Um, you know, he's the one that found this Bobcat for me and, um, went and bought it from a guy over in Fort Scott, Larry Rogers and, and Larry took the windows and stuff out of it for me and, and stripped out, out stuff that he could use as body shop. Yeah. And we took it over to Andy's house and started stripping the rest of the way down. That's cool. And, uh, brought it over here and, and James Ramsey put the cage in it and cause he worked here at the time. And, um, you know, I mean, it was, it was a good car. And, um, I ended up selling that car back to Larry as a race car and he went on one several races with it, but I mean, he, he had a lot more money where I was at with it was I could sink a bunch of money into it that I wasn't going to get back out of it mm-hmm. or get rid of it and, and start the modified process. And we had a chassis out back here that was, a uh, good straight car um, guy had traded it in just the bare chassis. I think maybe part of the deck or something, but um, there wasn't anything wrong with it. The, what happened to it was it set out here in the winter and moisture got inside some of the tubing and the tubing split. So um, none of the main cage was, was a problem. Just some of the, like the underbars and, and some of the tail section stuff was where the, the stuff was at. And so got it in a shop and stripped it down and uh got all those pieces of tubing replaced that needed to be replaced and sandblasted it and, and painted it and sheet metal it up and the thing looked brand new when we were done i mean even though it was a year and a half two year old car um so i i started off modified life way underpowered uh, my dad used to trade guys and get motors i mean he did a lot of trading with some guys out in wichita and and uh later on with with john and uh, did some stuff with Buzzard and 
Um, but I had the first motor that I had was a 305 mm-hmm. and there actually it was a 311. So, you know, I'm running way deeper gear than anybody else is at North Fork and Joplin. And that's when they were in their heyday. You know, you go over there and track full of all kinds of guys and, um, you know, Drake and Muhlenbergs and, you know, Rex would show up and Billy Street and Brian Bennett and Hoffman. I mean, just a good bunch of racers. And, and, uh, so I, I cut my teeth with those guys and learned to drive around those guys, but we were just, you know, I was only going to be so fast again with that motor. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad had other stuff, but he wanted me to learn the car before he would let me do anything yeah. more. So we ran that car, I think like three times and it was super nationals time. And Andy says, we need to talk to your dad and get you to let you go to super nationals. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, he said, I'm telling you, he said, you're not going to be able to be around any bigger group of guys that are good racers to be able to learn from in one spot than if you go to the super nationals. I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man. That's, that's a, that's, I've been there and that's a lot. He says, I'm telling you, you'll be fine. He said, you're not going to be as big a squirrel as some of those guys are. He said, I promise you, you're not. So anyway, he went and started the process talking to my dad about this. And of course my dad was like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> and, uh, so we ended up going to the super nationals and it was, uh, it was a learning experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, way underpowered there for sure. Um, but when I came home, you know, from having a whole week of being on a racetrack with all these guys and, and, and being able to race and stuff the whole week, I came home and I was faster. And my dad's like, we're going to change motors in that car because you're way faster than what the car is right now. So, um, so we just progressed on and, and like I said, you know, just from humble beginnings of just being able to race around here to, to be able to travel and stuff. I mean, um, I did get my first modified win on a month on a, um, I can't remember if it was Memorial day or labor day. Now I think it was Memorial day because it had been raining a bunch mm-hmm. and Tom used to always do a, a Monday afternoon Memorial day race. Um, you know, nobody will do that anymore because, oh, it's daytime. It might get dusty. Right. You know, and, uh, um, but that was where my first win came was that, was at North Fork in the, in the, in the dry and the dust. And, That's awesome. Uh, and I've always, I always loved that place. That was my first feature win. That was my first track championship was at North Fork. And, you know, tracks like North Fork and Joplin were, like I said, that's where I started my racing career and, and learned to drive and to see them in the shape that they're in nowadays really, you know, I, somebody said, well, it wouldn't be that big a deal for the North Fork. You just go pull the plug and drain the pond and, and you can make <laughs> yeah. it back into a racetrack again. But uh, I haven't I, I haven't been out there actually to look at it. I looked at it on, on Google Earth one time and about cried. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's, it's, there's basically nothing left. There's still You can still see grandstands on the uh, west side. Yeah. But that's about it. Well, I know whenever they built the track up at Butler, I knew a lot of the lights and stuff went yeah. up there. And, They're all gone. Yeah. So. Oh, the, the lighting from, came from North Fork to Butler. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best lighting, but it was lighting. It was lighting. <laughs> yeah, it was. De- <laughs> Neither one of those tracks was the brightest racetrack ever. But <laughs> I mean, you know, for whatever reason at North Fork, the lights weren't super bright, but you could see they're pretty good. Yeah, uh, they had them angled pretty good. I remember being there as a kid. Yeah. Now Butler, I don't think they ever worked on the angle quite right because it was yeah. dark up there. <laughs> yeah, Butler. I went to Butler a couple times at JC. It's an interesting place. It was cool. Yeah, it was cool, but. There's a lot of stuff that was just is put together. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 
But what uh, I never got to go to Adrian. Though. I don't know if Adrian was any better or not. Adrian, I raced there a handful of times. Um, I got to tell you, you know, when you start racing at tracks like North Fork and Joplin, you go to a little bitty track like that, like Nevada or Adrian. Mm-hmm you're lost yeah. because you're used to being on a big track where you keep the car and you keep the car straight, you know, you're driving the car and these guys are backing the things at the flag stand. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, it took me a few times, uh, before I could ever even what I would consider run halfway decent at at either one of them. Um, I think I've, I think I raced Adrian maybe half a dozen times. I ended up the last two times that I raced there, um, Rob Music that used to do all of our lettering used to, be real big and doing science and stuff for the race cars. And he, he still does a lot of sign work and he still does a few race cars, but he doesn't do near as many race cars mm-hmm. as he used to. Um, but, uh, he put on a, he called it, um, signs by Robbie invitational. And what he would do is he just, he put on this race and it was, I don't know, I think he paid like 2000 to win and, uh, um, invited all his customers to come, you know, and, and this was back when it wasn't so much to, you know, it wasn't so expensive to travel mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, there was guys come from Texas and, and Iowa and, and uh, North Dakota, and I mean, all over the place to come and race. And um, I think it, I think they did three of them. And uh, the first year they had it, Jerry Tarwater won. Of course, that was Jerry's home track. Mm. And uh, he smoked us pretty bad that year. And I made the race, and I don't remember that first year where I finished. I mean, I wasn't terrible, but I wasn't spectacular. But then the next year we went back. And, uh, I qualified. Okay. And man, things just fell in place and ended up winning a deal. Um, I, I can't remember if it was that year or the second year that I won it. Cause he did, he did that race three years in a row. And, uh, Tarwater of course was wanting to have the second, you know, two trophies and I ended up yeah. with two of them. So I'm going to a little rivalry over that deal. But, um, I, I can't remember if it was the first year or the second year. I think it was the second year. Um, I got the lead and under caution, the, the thing just started acting stupid. I mean, it, I, it wouldn't hardly steer when I was on the gas, it would steer fine. But when I was under caution, I mean, it was like power steering was going out or something. And I'm, um, Eddie Bray from up at, uh, um, peculiar. He, uh, he had broke. Um, so he was, he had the lead and he broke. And that's how I got the lead was he broke. And I, and I had to, I mean, I was following him, but I wasn't going to just knock him out of the way to pass him, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and I, don't, I actually don't think I was quite close enough to catch him, to do that to him. But um, anyway, uh, he uh, he broke, so I ended up inheriting the lead. Well, his his crew guys were down in the infield. And so, they, you know, after Eddie broke, they started signaling me. So under caution, I'm like, try, I'm pointing at the front end, and they just keep giving me thumbs up. You know, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not because I'm telling you the thing won't steer. So – <laughs> finish the race. I win. I get out and I'm looking at the front end of the car. Cause I, I there's, I know there's something wrong. I go around to the right front. And the arm had broke mm-hmm. and it had shifted back into the shock. Well, when I was on the gas and the car was, was up on the bars and stuff, it would move around just enough to where the, the right front would still move. Mm-hmm. And, and with, you know, with the power up, then it would steer fine. The man under caution, that thing was all laid in there and wadded <laughs> up on stuff and it wasn't steering worth the crap. But, uh, so yeah, Adrian was, Adrian's a tough track. Those little tracks, um, honestly, the, the smallest track, and I don't think it's quite as small as it was as it used to be, but maybe it's the same size. I don't remember. But or Springfield was was one of the smaller tracks that I 
had very much success yeah. on. Uh, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's before Jerry had it. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was growing up, the Dodds had it, uh, and it, yeah. it seemed it, it did seem much smaller, but it was much much flatter back right. then. Right, and I think that's probably the biggest thing is the fact that with with the fact that it was so much flatter, it just it See, looked smaller. Yeah, yep. And I I started racing there the smaller track, and then when the first night I went to Monette, I was horrible, <laughs> horrible. That's a so oh, that's kind of the track. opposite direction. Yeah, there. I, I, you know, I like big tracks, and Monette was a thorn in my side. I, <laughs> I, I won one race at Monette, um, and I don't know how many times I got to race at Monette, but I won one of the Tony Roper Memorial races one year, so that was a really cool yeah. race to win. But, uh, I, in fact, I battled Rex for the win. Really? So that made it even cooler yeah. because Rex and I, I mean, I, I grew up around Tony because Tony used to drive Dirtworks cars, mm-hmm. and, and of course, Rex raced with him and worked with him and stuff with the Dirtworks stuff. And for him and I to be battling for that was, was a cool That's night. That's cool. So you said your dad quit after 13 years. Just up and quit. Did he race modifieds up to that point? He no, he raced late models. Late the models. modifieds really weren't a thing until, um, especially around here. I mean, they had started, you know, 79 or 80 up in Iowa and stuff. Mm-hmm. But as far as around here, they didn't really start going until uh, 83, 84 yeah. range, right in there. And uh, um, the, one of the last cars that my dad had, um, the guy from Nevada Speed or Dave Greenley used to own Nevada. He had talked my dad into getting his car and, and had kind of a hand in it. And he went to uh, the Kansas City to Goobers up there and and bought this modified. Well, it was there wasn't a modified class down here, so they late modeled it up the best that they could. Mm-hmm. Um, the car looked pretty cool, but I hated it when he'd take that car to the track because <laughs> he had he had a. Um, an old fifth design how car was the last real late model that he had that he bought from gene snyder and when he bought the car he bought the car the motor and uh, and the hauler and it was the it was the stuff that gene was using and uh roger chisholm had drove mm-hmm. and uh anyway so he bought that stuff and and man we'd take that car to the track i love going because the car was good the car was fast we'd take this other thing and he'd only take it to nevada and he didn't take it every week thank goodness <laughs> but I mean, it just, it, and I, and I know it was a lot because of what it was versus racing with late models. It just didn't really go very good. And I hated that thing. But so that was kind of the predecessor to him having anything to do with modifieds at I was that gonna, point. going to ask like if you, if he quit, quit racing and then got into, you said putting cages and cars and stuff. When did the modified stuff come along to become what it was? Um, I can't remember exactly what year it was that he started building the cars up here. Um, I, I know it at the time they started building them, it was still just the, I think he had just started, had the idea to start building that other building uh, because we, we had the old blacksmith shop still, which is where the cars were built originally. And uh, he built that other building to do sheet metal work and, and have parts and stuff in. And uh, um, so I, the, the exact year that he got started as far as building them up here, I, my mom could tell you, but I, um, I screw that up every time I think about it. So, um, of course he didn't buy it directly from Gary either. Um, Gary was ready to sell it and move on. Um, of course his family has a, <clears throat> excuse me, they, they've got a business and know that they build rabbit cages and, and feeders and stuff and it's pretty good business, which I mean, I never, you don't think about that I kind of imagine stuff, that being you know, <laughs> but it, but they do, they have a pretty good yeah. business down there and, uh, and it was his family stuff. So, I mean, he was ready to go back and, and work with that and do that stuff. And um, so at the time he was ready to sell, 
uh, Kelly Brammer ended up buying it. So we worked for them for a little, for two or three years. And I think it was, um, again, I'm going to screw the year up. I think it was around 92, mm-hmm. 91, 92 is when my dad, uh, bought their works from, from them. And, uh, and man, <laughs> again, you know, you don't realize when you start with something, what it's going to turn into. Right. And, and from that point, I mean, where we'd been building, we'd been building some cars and selling cars, you know, here and there and, and quite a few different places and, and had dealers all over the country, but, uh, you know, had no idea that it was going to turn into, you know, yeah. 250 cars a year, uh, selling them all over the place. Right. Um, you know, it was awesome to be able to be part of that, you know, to be able to be part of, of it with, with the guys that we had building cars here, the guys that were driving the cars. I mean, you know, there was a who's who of, of chassis builders and a who's who of drivers that, that had involvement in these cars. And it was, um, it was awesome, you know, to be able to learn from those guys, you know, I, these are guys that is, as I was younger, I got to watch and, and, you know, some of them were my heroes and stuff and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, then to, to be racing with them side by side and learning from them as I'm racing and stuff. I mean, that's, that's some pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. You've, we talked just a little bit, like when we first walked in about, um, who raced for you guys and who now builds cars and stuff. Give a little bit of a list of, for people. So uh, there's a lot of people that probably know, but there's a lot of people that don't. And there's a couple names you threw out there that I didn't know associated yeah, with you guys. And it was funny as we were talking about that while ago, other, I mean, because the couple of those names as we were talking just came back to me. It's like, well, shoot, they worked here and helped build cars for a while. And then, um, but, you know, Andy Claiborne worked here for years. Um, and he did the um, evolution deal when I first started. He mm-hmm. helped with that deal. Um, we had, uh, of course, Scotty Allen, Allen Auto Sports. Uh, he worked here. Um, Hoffman worked here. Uh, Monty Grice. Uh, you know, he, he went out to North Carolina and and uh, worked the cup stuff, but then he started building cars once he got out there. Um, Curtis Allen from down in Oklahoma that's got the uh, Western Western Flyer. Western Flyer. Yeah, I always screw that. I, <laughs> I called him something different one day when I was talking to him, and he got mad at me. So i got to be careful what I, whenever I say that. But um, but Curtis worked here for, for a while. Actually, when he worked here, he, he crewed for me really? and went racing with me and stuff. So, um, you know, I mean, we've had James Ramsey, uh, whenever James – uh, left, he built a few cars at home. Uh, James was our original chassis fabricator, you know, back whenever my dad got started. And, um, so, I mean, it's just been, like I said, we've had some pretty awesome big, people, big names. you know, yeah. Drake's worked here. Steve Crane from down in Texas has worked here and now is running day yeah, motorsports. Steve Crane's got a hell of a business now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so to, you know, just to, to look at, at everything that's happened here, you know, it's, it's awesome to to look back and, and just remember some of those things. Yeah, that was why it was going to be such a big thing for me to come here because I knew who was tied in at some point leading leading out of this place because I knew we know Jerry pretty well. Knew Scotty Allen worked here. Knew Rex Merritt drove for you guys yeah. for quite a while. So it's people that I know that I know turned into something in the industry yeah. coming out of and now seeing. I mean, like you said back in the day, you didn't know what it was going to turn into, but seeing them come out of this particular spot is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's, I mean, there are a lot of different cars that uh, on the market, you know, not just the guys that I'm talking that I mentioned. I mean, there's a lot of other cars that uh, different places that you know guys had been dealers for us and and decided that they could build their own car right. instead of 
buying them. I mean, so there's, you know, there's a whole lot of places and, and names that, that got tied back to this place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Martin Noble drove Dirt Works car for quite a while there. He started craft. Is that what he uh he started in a in a pro car he okay. ran he ran an old school with soda pro car for years mm-hmm. and uh when he finally changed over and and started running some of the stuff that that had more suspension on it than that he was lost for a little while but i mean mark is he's, he's adaptable and he was an animal oh yeah i remember yeah I, I grew up like when i started getting into it he was kind of on his way out he still races yeah but he was still the while he's driving craft cars why i say that. yeah he, white with green numbers he was yep. an animal white with green numbers he the only thing he ever had different than white with green numbers is he had an orange one with orange numbers for a little while really but but for the most part he's always had the green stuff yeah was it ever a problem, like if you had people working for you guys and then step out and start doing their own thing? Was it ever a conflict of interest? Because I've heard stories about your dad handling stuff ex- like like no one else, just extremely nice. And which is because when Jerry left and got burnt, I hear stories about your dad helping Jerry out with yeah. the tubing bender and stuff. Yeah, you know, my dad, my dad was an awesome individual. Um, you know, I I, I could. I don't even know all the stories about things that my dad did mm-hmm. as far as helping people. I mean, I know a lot of the stuff as far as guys he helped with race cars and everything. And I know Scotty mentioned that whenever he was on there with you guys mm-hmm. last week. And and uh, <clears throat> so I know some of those stories. But, I mean, I've had guys come to me and and say, you know, you, I don't know if you ever know this, but your dad did such and such, you know, help yep. me out and do this. And, and, I, and I knew about the deal you mentioned with Jerry. You know, he helped him out with some equipment and stuff. He but, talks about it. Uh, Every every November, yeah. they'll talk about it in the drivers' meeting. Yeah, and so that's how we. I mean, we knew about it beforehand. He's told us some more stuff, but yeah, isn't, isn't that crazy how loud that is? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I wish I would have been around to see that stuff back then to, to see this flourish like it was. Because when I was growing up, we just talked about it last week. I get on the Dirtworks website. I don't know, 2002, 2003, you guys had a list of all your customers' cars. I'll just yeah. peel through it. I loved it. Because oh, my yeah. Uncle Dean had a Dirtworks car. That's yeah. how I even knew about it. So that was my tie, was my Uncle Dean. So right. I got to go through and look at all that stuff. So I wish I could have seen everything when it was flourishing in his heyday. Well, you know, when you walked in, I told you this is kind of just a shell of what it used to be. But, uh, you know, to be able to be in here and working on on that car over there, I mean, it's there's still a little bit of something in this building yeah and that's why i think it's okay for me to be in here without a radio going you know i just <laughs> yeah i just hang out and think about stuff and uh just have some quiet time you know just to ponder ponder things yeah. stop pray every once in a while just to that's really you know. cool I'm, I'm glad we got to come down here this, i'm yeah. glad you guys did too this is really neat anytime anytime anybody that we know from <clears throat> out of state like we know a couple guys from iowa minnesota and we mentioned dirt works to them and you're like, oh yeah, that's down by you. Like, Dirtworks was a big thing. In it's Iowa. synonymous and, with us. Yeah. yeah. You know, I got I, I went and bought a trailer in Iowa a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. And uh, the guy didn't know who I was, which I, I I'm not, and I'm fine with people not knowing who I am. You know, I just assume a lot of times because I, I run into people all the time. They're like, oh hey, you're, and <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know. I, that's always. I've never cared about the fame and stuff. I just mm-hmm. like driving race cars. That yeah. was my oh, thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, but uh, it was funny because this guy, when we get up there, he's like, "So where you? Where you? I, Claiborne rode up there with me to go get it." And he's like, "So where are you guys from?" And I told him, and he said, "That's." He said, "That's not too far, is it?" And I said, "No, it's not terrible far." And uh, I said, uh, "He said, well, how long have you been racing?" And I said, "A while." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
he said, oh yeah. He said, he said, we'd just been racing for about three or four years. And I said, well, I said, I, I said, this is, I said, I've been racing for 20 some years now. And, and, uh, I said, and actually I didn't race at all last year. And mm-hmm. that was weird because that was the first time since I started that I, that I didn't sit in a car yeah. at least once or twice in a season. But, uh, anyway, I said, I said, I used to race quite a bit. He said, oh yeah, what did you race? And I said, well, I said, I've always raced modified stuff for the most part. And, and I mentioned that, you know, we used to build the Dirtworks cars. And he's like, well, I think I've heard of that. <laughs> you think I so? Like, what? Because <laughs> like you said, you know, you, you mentioned Dirtworks to people and they're like, oh man, that you know, I know where that's at. And yeah. There's still people floating around. I had a guy message me. Oh, my buddy Austin's looking into getting a, a Midwest mod. He found a DW9. Yeah. It's still floating around. Yeah. There's still stuff there. It's still going and winning races. I was going to say, it's awesome to see that, that a lot of those cars are still winning They're still races. going, yeah. Heck yeah, Mickey Burrell raced one until I started messing with with the Amod stuff. He raced, yeah. A, I think it's DW ninety one. A yeah. ton of races in it. It was, it was funny. It, I mean, this has been still back when we were in business. We had a guy one time. He he called and and I forget which one of us talked. It wasn't me, but it was one of the other guys talked to him and and he was all excited because he'd found a Dirtworks car. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Man, I got a deal." Well, this was when we when the eights were in their heyday. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're talking late nineties, early two thousands. And, and he said, I found this DW three. Did I get a deal or what? And whoever it was said, you got something, <laughs> you know, because I mean, that was there. You know, that wasn't even up to par with anything right. that was on the racetrack at that point in time. But, but you had one, but he was excited one. because yeah. that was what he had. That's crazy how you can turn a, a pile of tubing into a name brand in a race car. Dirtworks yeah. name brand was top of the line growing up. That's cool how that can turn into something. Did you have uh, any kind of unusual pressure when you guys were rolling, when you were racing your own cars? Like whenever, like you say, when the eights were big, did you have people putting unnecessary pressure on you because the New Year guys' stuff was the best? My biggest pressure probably came from, from myself and from my dad as far as just that kind of pressure. Um, one of the biggest pressures I had to deal with was trying to race side-by-side with customers. Yeah. Because – yeah. and, and – for a long time, I didn't. I, if I got leaned on, I wouldn't lean back mm-hmm. because we were in business and I couldn't do that. And you know, I watch all these other guys that work for us. Somebody leans on them, they're gonna they walk them back up, you know. And and I just I, I couldn't make myself do that. And um, one night finally just clicked that if I don't. Uh, <laughs> hey. This sound like it's going a lot faster, didn't it? <laughs> It sounded like a lot bigger truck than what that yeah, was, it too. <laughs> but it, it finally just clicked one night that if, you know, and, and I think it was because my dad sit, and I sat down and talked about it, that if I just kept letting them run over me, they were going to keep using me up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I finally, the first time that I finally, when somebody started leaning on me and I just, I didn't budge, you know, I, I earned a little bit different respect at that point right. in time. I mean, I wouldn't just go out and intentionally wreck somebody. I, no. I never, I never did that. But I mean, as far as if, I mean, if you bump and, and rub, I mean, that's just part of racing. Mm-hmm. You don't do it intensely. Sometimes it just happens, um, you know. And uh, but that was that was one of the toughest things that I had to deal with for a long time was just trying to to, to keep from doing that kind yeah. of stuff to people. Is there anybody in particular that you had a specific problem with for a long time? I asked Scott that. And I think <laughs> Scott gave us a roundabout answer. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that I can straight answer that. There was <laughs> there was probably two or three guys. Um, uh, yeah, there was a couple of guys that I, I mean, some of it was just in fun, you know, 
uh, didn't really tear anything up. Mm-hmm. We'd just jack with each other back and forth. But, uh, I mean, there was a couple of guys that, I mean, just flat would, I mean, every time that we were on the racetrack would use me up. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, wreck me to where I couldn't finish the race, use me up. Um, and that was tough. I'm not, I'm not going to name any names. But, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I did have a, a few of those. Yeah. So. Was was any of that stuff you think related to your status of where you're working? They just felt like you had something that you probably shouldn't or whatever. It, it goes back to what I said earlier. You know, a lot of people thought that I just was handed everything on a silver right. platter, and um, you know, I mean, I, I did. You know, towards the end of the race and stuff, whenever my dad was alive, I mean, I, I did have a lot of help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a lot of product help. We had some. You know, I only had two or three cash sponsors over the years that I can even think about today right you know um but uh because like i said most of our stuff was was product help um but uh if it wouldn't have been for those guys i mean i couldn't afford to do the whole thing by myself yeah. and you know like i said i mean we started off <laughs> buying and selling used cars mm-hmm. you know to to get where i could actually afford to get the new cars mm-hmm. and uh you know my first new car had had parts off of my older car on it um until we could get it sold and and uh, and be able to, to build a whole new car. So uh, a lot of guys I don't think ever ever realized that or ever you know had that thought in their head. Right. Uh, you know, it, and a lot of it, I think goes back to what Scott talked about. Whenever you guys had him on there, you, my dad would would help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying he didn't help me because obviously he did. But um, I mean, he didn't. When I turned 16. What I wanted for my birthday that year, but I want a race car. And I, I mean, I made it very clear for my 16th birthday. Actually, I think for my 16th, 17th, and 18th birthday, that would be my cell phone. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else can hear that or not. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. No, um, all good. <laughs> it died. Yeah. But uh, um, for those three years in a row, I just kept saying I wanted a race car. And he's like, I'm not going to give you a race car. He said, he said, "If I just give you one, and and this is something that you see today, um, really voicemail, yeah, sure did. <laughs> um, this is something you see today, and, and two voicemail. That might be a text message. <laughs> oh. um, somebody might have seen there's something about being on the internet. I don't know, but anyway, uh, um, I've lost my train of thought there. Oh, <laughs> he 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 told me, and then like I said, this is something that you see today with with some of these younger kids." He, he told me, he said, if if I just give you this stuff to start with, he said, you're not going to appreciate any of it. <coughs> he said, you need to earn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you don't need to go out there and, and have no respect for, for your, uh, for your equipment and for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I think, I thank him for that. You yeah. know, I thanked him a lot for that whenever, when he was still alive, because, you know, he, he gave me that, um, you know, that, that, that thought process of, you know, I don't. As long as it, if I, if we're paying for it, if I'm paying for it, I mean, I'm going to respect it a lot more than if it's right. just something for free. And, yeah. and even when I have driven other people's stuff, um, I still have that same philosophy. I treat it as like it's my own. I'm not just going to go out there and water it up just because. Right. My dad, whenever we first started racing, kind of, he, he did everything he could do for me. But first time I drove it, it got hot and I kept driving it. And oh. It, I learned when we had to work on it next week that, yeah. That, that was just, I, dad never really just, we never had the money just to turn me loose right. or whatever, but he did what he could. So it kind of turned into that really quick. That yeah. you got to take, if you want to do it next time, you got to take care right. of it this time. 
So right. I understand what you're saying. I'm still in the same boat today. You got to take care of it today and drive it tomorrow. Yeah. So that's cool. That, it sucks at first. It really does suck because you just don't. You just want to race it. But right. Like with you, you just wanted the car. But it makes total sense. It does. I mean, I, I like I said, I was very grateful for it later because because it did give me the the respect for my equipment, the respect for yeah. for other people and other people's equipment. And you've seen people come and go. That oh, yeah. Don't do that. No. Yeah. No. It's, I drove for Danny. I, I had. We can pause if you want to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That's all right. We had a little intermission there. <laughs> Phone ringing phone and, break and trucks driving by and yeah. having to go work on a car and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. It's a normal day in Walker, Missouri. Yeah. Well, and there goes another one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like I told you. You said there's awful, there's awful lot of traffic here. Well, there's no. They had a awards <laughs> banquet at the high school tonight, so everybody's getting out of that and they're driving right by here. This is probably the most action they've seen here in a while. So Showed up the perfect night. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Austin, you said you had something you wanted to ask while we we're back on here. Oh yeah, I, I we didn't really get a year about when you started racing. I was kind of curious about that, and you gave me a little short answer there. Why don't you go ahead and I guess repeat it? Yeah, when I when I started racing the mini stock, I, we built that thing in in '95, and I raced it a few times that year and a few times the next, and then in '96 was when we built that modified and went to the Super Nationals for the first time. So that was or no wait, no, I'm wrong. It was 95 when we, built, we went to the Super Nationals the first time. So, actually, at the end of 94 is when I put that mini stock together. So, you got to go to Super Nationals when John Logue was king. Oh, yeah. Back yeah. in the day. I'd love to see that kind of stuff. The, you know, it's, you're probably not old enough to remember as much as what I do. Um, you know, it used to be at Monette. Half the people came there to see Phillips win. Half of them came there to see him lose. And it yeah. was the same way at the asphalt tracks, yeah. you know. Um, it was the same way at Boone for Logue. Half the people there were to see him win, and half the people there to see him get wrecked. That's crazy. It was, yeah. you know, and, and Wayne Larson, there was more people didn't like Wayne Larson. Of course, they were both from right there, and they raced there all the time. And I forgot about Wayne Larson. I yeah. never got to see him race, but I know. You know, I was I always got along with Wayne real well. Um, there was a lot of people didn't like him, um, but I never had a problem with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you think with all the crazy stuff, we talk, I talk about this every time, you think with all the crazy stuff that happened back in, retaliations and the heated rivalries and the fights and stuff that happened back in the day, do you, what do you think it would be like online this time in 1995? Oh I'm going to tell you something right now. That that online stuff with these keyboard jockeys mm-hmm. has made it worse. Yeah. I mean, it, it has. Because the thing about it is back then, um, I mean, I, I remember – a night at at, uh, at 66, I went to a guy that had directed me, and he had a big pit crew, and I didn't. It was me. Mm-hmm. My dad started with me, and I said, you stay here. And I mostly told him that in case he had to come drag me out of it and take <laughs> me back to the trailer. But, you know, I mean, I went over there, and I got in his face, and we, and we didn't fight. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, and I explained to him, you know, I said, if if I need to, well, I said, I'll build them faster, and you can buy them, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have it out. But, um. You know, him and I became really good friends after that. And, uh, you know, today somebody runs our mouth on the internet and then the, the hate session's on. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and you avoid, I mean, when you get to the track, you probably, you avoid that person like the plague. Oh, yeah. There's no, like, resolving it. Right. It, it rarely happens. Yeah, it, it, because nobody, everybody is scared of conflict. Uh, and I can get it. I understand that some because, I mean, I don't, I, I, I honestly have never been in a fight at a racetrack. I've been in a couple of heated discussions, Mm -hmm. but that was all it was. Um, You know, uh, I've seen a lot of fights at a racetrack. 
I've seen a lot of people get their clock clean pretty good, you know. <laughs> um, but the thing about it is whenever, when you would have the confrontation, whether I just came to you and, and we, we talked it out and, and had it out or whatever, or they, they went to blows, it was done, it was over with, and they went on to the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they may not have been friends for a couple weeks, but they didn't, you know, they would eventually talk to each other and, and go on down the road. Um, you know, today where people just constantly run their mouth on the internet, um, uh, about stuff and yeah, it, that would have been a bad situation <laughs> back then. That's a whole new breed of, of racers now yeah. compared to then. You guys were much harder, hard nosed people. And like I said, when we first walked in here, our racing a lot is nothing to your guys' racing a lot whenever you uh, were going. You know, I, I tell people this and, and they look at me like I'm crazy. There was, there was one year that we started racing the end of January and didn't finish until the first of December. Really? Um, we raced 80, 86 or seven times that year. And just, just didn't know any better. You just raced. Oh yeah. I mean, we, well, it was our business. It was our life. Right. I mean, you know, um, we were selling race cars. We need to be out winning races and, mm-hmm. and run, you know, showing good at these shows. And, and, uh, you know, we'd start off, we'd head to speed weeks in, in January and race in Georgia and Florida. And, and then, uh, that year that I didn't, the, the last race was in December. I went to McAllen, Texas that year. That's crazy. Um, you know, I mean, I have been blessed to do the things that I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the traveling that we did and being able to race all over the country and stuff. Um, cause I mean, there's not very many places that, that I wanted to go race that we didn't get to go race. I mean, there's a few, I mean, I would love to have raced at Old War. Yeah. I I'd think, still yeah. like to, in case anybody has a, has a car that would like to take, <laughs> let me, take me and let me drive there. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, that's one place that I haven't ever got to run that I'd really like to race. Have you um, been there to watch anything? I, no, I haven't. And made, I need to go. It made it worse for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a good spectator. I've yeah. learned that over the years. I mean, me neither. When I took pictures, it was cool because I had to do it. Right. But when I started racing, it really took away from my spectating aspect. Because when I, I usually take off and go to the show me, yeah. it drives me nuts. So when Monette rolls around on Sunday, I just, I'm chomping at the bits. <laughs> So I under, I understand yeah. what you're saying totally. On yeah, that. no, I, I these last few years when I I mean I've the last three or four years that I actually was in a car, I only raced like three times a year those years. Yeah, um, and it's hard to stay on top of stuff when you're only in a car that many times. Yeah. and when you're in a different car the following year and then the following year and you're only doing it three times, it really makes it difficult. But um, you know, when you were back then, I mean, and I wasn't the only one that raced that many times a year, but I mean, you, you jump off in, in January and you knock the rust off and opening night here, there's nobody can smell you. Right. You know, I yeah. mean, um, and people just stand there and scratch their head and don't understand. Well, when you're, it's no different than, than these kids that play baseball and football and basketball and stuff. And they're on these traveling teams and the more you do it, the better you are. Right. Yeah. I agree. And 100%. you know, I do, I think I could still do it today. Man, I don't want to be on the road that many times. Mm-hmm. Do I think I could still run competitively if I had the opportunity? Yeah, I, I believe I could. Yeah. Um, do I have the time and the, the willpower to do that? That's iffy. Mm-hmm. The time is, is I mean, there's so many things that I have, I mean, between family stuff and the ministry stuff I'm involved in now. Uh, my time is a lot right. less than it used to be. But, I mean, you know, when we did it before, that we, we lived it, breathed it, slept it ate it i mean that's what we did i'd say from my standpoint just looking at you it'd be hard for you to like 
race like you want to because you don't have the time to. Like if things don't go, like I know for me, if like last year I really didn't have a lot of time to race, and when I went, I didn't do or feel as good as I should have. Yeah, and it bothered me because I'm, I'm I want to be committed, and then you go from racing eighty times a year to three. Yeah, it's got to be hard. Well, you know, my big thing. I mean, I, I posted on Facebook last night. Um, you know, my it was my wife's deal to get this car. Uh, she's like, "Do you still want to race?" And I said, "Yeah, I still want to race." I said, "I probably don't still want to race when I'm 80 years old and can't walk." You know, um, I said, "It's just part of my life. It's just what I've always done, and and I enjoy it." And she said, "Well, we need to. You just need to get a car." And uh, I'm like, "Well, you know." It's all going to work out, you know. We're going to get one. We'll get one built. And she's like, no. just She said, I want you to get a car. So, you you know, you're not waiting on building one. You just have a car. Mm-hmm. And actually, I didn't know this at, at the start or to begin with, but I guess she actually had kind of went behind my back and tried to buy that car for oh, me. Oh, really? That's yeah. Cool. So, I, I, you know, I, I said how awesome my wife was last night. She's way awesome because she had yeah. actually tried to buy that car for me. <laughs> that does not happen. No, it does not happen very often <laughs> at all. That's really cool. Um, do, you, do you have any kind of pushback from buying cars? Does anybody kind of give you any kind of eh because you're going to be building them? Or are they, are they pretty open with it now? Well, I mean, this deal, I mean, I bought this from Andy. Um, I got to drive it for him a couple years ago. Uh, well, I ran it, the race we put on, the memorial race that we did. This was a black car, wasn't it, from yeah. that Andy had? Yep, it was. Yeah. And uh, um, I, I got to run that car at that race and one other time um, in uh, – so I mean, buying from an individual is not a big deal, right? You know? but if you think, I if mean, you there's to- there's people that have, I mean, I've had a bunch of questions. Is that one of the cars you're, that you're building? Well, no, not yet. Um, That's what just, I asked when we walked yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, but I mean, it's, we haven't got to that stage yet. I mean, we, you know, there, we're still kind of we're him and I are both super super busy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I the I told you, you know, I work this past week was the first time since the first year that I hadn't worked overtime. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I don't, I'm not talking like 15, 20 hours overtime like some people are, but I mean, I'm, th- this past week was the first time that, that I hadn't worked five, six, seven hours overtime in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time I get done, and there was some stuff we dealt with there, you know, through the winter, because dealing with those school buses, um, I didn't want to do anything when I came home except for just sit home, wrap up in a blanket and, yeah, and hide. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I mean... I've had a lot of questions, and, and like I said, I mean, I, my my full intention is to, you know, once we get building, then then I'm going to have one of them that we're building. But I just, right. you know, right now I've got everything I need to to put a car together, right? Because I didn't have before. You know, I've got a drivetrain, I've got, you know, all the suspension and stuff. So I mean, and some of that stuff I won't, you know, won't transfer and and won't be used. But, um, you know, the drivetrain and stuff that's going to transfer every day. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so that puts me miles ahead of where I was. And my yeah. wife actually threatened me the other day. She said, look, I don't care what happens. She said, until you decide you're absolutely done racing, don't sell this racing stuff again. Because whenever my dad passed away, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I mean, I, I I had full aspirations of, of continuing on with the business and stuff. and um, I needed to take a break. Um because from the time that, I mean, from as long back as I can remember, my, my first job was here, mm-hmm. sweeping floors and, and packing parts and cutting tubing and, and, you know, messing with the stuff out back as far as, the, you know, moving frames around and, and stuff. I mean, my, my first job was here. Um, so from the time that I was 
14 years old working, you know, just being a, a grunt around here to the time that he died. I mean, we worked together every day. Mm-hmm. You know, he was my, he was my boss. He was my crew chief. He was, he was my best friend. And so when, you know, it'd be 10 years ago this October. And, uh, so when he passed away, I mean, it was a big chunk of me that, that disappeared. Right. And, you know, for that to have went on, I need, I, I really should have taken some time, just, mm-hmm. just step away and, and just, you know, a week, two, whatever. The guys that I had working here at the time were plenty capable of taking care of the stuff that needed to be taken care of. But I just needed to have some time because, I mean, we were here together every day. My office was right outside of his. I mean, I could sit at my desk and look at him in his chair, um, you know, and that wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it was hard to keep me in the office because I didn't want to sit there and look at that empty office. So, I, and then I finally got to write his close the door. And so it was tough. Um, you know, <clears throat> I, I feel like that, that there's still some things that, that were left undone, you mm-hmm. know, because I just, I did just step away and, and stuff. But, um, I've never lost the passion for wanting to race, uh, or for being involved in it. Um, like I said, I'm a terrible spectator. <laughs> you know, I've had guys, Hey, why don't you come to races and watch, you know, help me out and watch. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Oh, come on. I'll pay your pit pass. Okay. If you're going to pay my pit pass, I'll go. <laughs> you know, but, uh, and I've had a few guys do that and I've, and I've been able to help some guys out along the way by, by doing stuff like that. And, and I do enjoy that. Um, you know, I mean, there's, uh, I've been able to go now. He hasn't paid my pit pass, but Brayton Skaggs, I mean, he's, he's an awesome kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a lot of drive and, and he's, 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 he's he kind of, I don't know. He's got some talent. I mean, he does, and he's got this passion for, for old school stuff. Um, you know, I mean, it's, he likes to just sit and talk to me and Andy about stuff like what we're talking about, about yeah. the way it used to be and, and everything. And, um, so many of the younger kids like that don't have that. They don't, they don't know anything about it. They don't want to know anything about it. They just know dad's throwing a big paycheck at, yeah. at whatever to get the car and the motor and that's, and then they go do it. And I don't, and honestly, I don't even think some of them like doing it. Yeah. And but, I can uh, name a couple that race that I'd say probably. Yeah. Don't, I, I don't know. It's just, they're kind of getting shoved <clears> in. They're living vicariously through their father. Yeah. Or, or what do you know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah. 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 Dad's dreams turn into. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but I've been able to go and watch him and help him some, and and uh, a couple other guys have called. In fact, I had a guy last night text me, and and uh, he's like, "You coming to show me?" And I said, "Cause I well, I just posted the pictures that again last night, and because I've been just posting progress pictures of it, and I'm like, I'm not bringing that knife to that gun fight. No, I said that'd be stupid. And uh, he's like, "Well, just he said, I'll pay your pit pass. You come hang out and help me see if you can get me faster." And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do to try to make you faster. You're pretty fast now. But uh, a buddy of mine from Texas, and he said, well, come on, I'll pay your pit pass. So I said, okay. <laughs> so I guess I'll be at the show me watching and helping him. That's going to make your return to that that much more anticipated. Oh, yeah, yeah. When yeah. are you going to try and race it? When are you going to try and race it first? Well, I've been saying the end of the month, but that's coming up awful quick. Um, I, I have – I got a hold of Billy yesterday. Billy Humble does the lettering for me, and I got a hold of him and – Told him I was planning on bringing it up the first of the week so we can get get it wrapped and, cool. and ready to go. And so I, I kind of gotta get some stuff finished up on it here in the next couple of days. We're not helping you any. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. No, I, I honestly the little bit of stuff that I got to do. I just I got to finish the nose, 
which I, I mean, it's mostly done. I just got to make one more piece for it, and, and I just got to hook it all together. I was, I've been debating on going old school and just riveting it on because it's cheaper and easier, or going and buying bolts, but bolts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bolts for sure. <laughs> I, I know, but my biggest problem is Fastenal. Our Fastenal is only open until noon. I don't know how they expect really? anybody to come in there and buy anything. Really? Yeah, because hmm. I went by there one day when I because I get off. I go in at, at six, get off at two. I don't take a lunch break. So I have some afternoon time when mm-hmm. I'm not working till five or six o'clock over there. You know, I have some afternoon time to be able to run and do stuff. So I go over there one day and I get there at like two thirty and I pull up there and it says as of whatever date we're closing at noon to Dang. better service our customers. I'm like, how does it better service your customers if you're not here in yeah, the store? That's kind of backwards. So anyway, I, yeah, I got to figure out where to get those bolts at a decent price compared to there because that's about as cheap a place as I need to buy them You from. guys have O'Reilly's around here? That's where I get mine from. Is it? O'Reilly's. Okay. Yeah. I may have to run over. Yeah, I'll run to O'Reilly's tomorrow to check that out. I forgot. Actually, I forgot I got some there one time. I got The first time I got some, I got some really oddball sized ones, though. They were like 10 millimeter heads. Yeah, yeah, they were a little bitty, goofy looking things. I don't know what I'm ordering. So last year, my stuff was 10s and 716s. So yeah. A little bit of everything. Yeah, I had to change sockets sometimes. Yeah. Okay, that's a different. Yeah. Yeah. Lower quarter panel was 10s. Yeah. Top row was 716s. So I had that. Dad hated it, but I, I knew what was going on. Yeah. But, as long as you know, that's the main thing. Yeah, someone knew. Yeah. So. I, I asked about it when we first came in here, like the heyday of like when I uh, when I started getting into it, like early two thousands. Yeah. You said Bolivar was was your favorite, and around that time, uh, at Eric Turner, I, I always mention new people every time. It was like who's who of modified guys that yeah. around our area that you had to race with. It wasn't it wasn't like now you go to a racetrack. There's three right. really really good guys, right. and, and back then it was serious. And well, you were involved and, in and the thing about it is, I mean. Yeah, it was still expensive to do back then, but more guys could afford to do it back then. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it was, I mean, it, it sounds dumb to say it that way, but it's a, it's a truth it, because it it was expensive, but it wasn't as expensive. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there's so many guys that, that from that era that have been, have went back to the running of B mods because yeah. it's more affordable. It's more old school, like what we used to race. Um, you know, you, you get four or five of us guys out there in a B mod race and, there's going to be some guys wondering what in the world happened, mm-hmm. you know, just like whenever Scott took off in that, in that B mod when he first did it. I mean, yeah, it whooped. Yeah. It whooped him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it, but that's what he drove. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what he raced every week. Same thing. That's what I raced every week. The times that I was the worst is when I would change suspensions, but, but yeah, I look, man, my two favorite racetracks around here were, were Bolivar and North Fork. Um, I, I, I won my first championship at North Fork. I won my second championship at Bolivar that first year that, that Bill Allen had it in 03 when he put the dirt back on it. And that was – I had so much fun over there that year. Um, and like you said, you, you know, we got to race with a lot of good guys. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter where around here at that time you were racing. Um, and we just had a lot of good talent in this area. And it made you better. It made you be able to go out on the road. I mean, there's a lot of these guys that raced around here. I mean, you know, you talk about Scotty and you talk about uh, – Muhlenberg's and and uh, Randy Zimmerman and and um, Rex and and a lot of those guys. I mean, they they could go anywhere in the country and run top ten. Yeah. And uh, you know, so that was something to strive for whenever we were racing with those guys to to be able to get as good as what they were to be able to do the same thing when we went somewhere. And uh, it was it just worked out at Ball over that year. I didn't 
start off intentionally running for the championship because we did travel a lot. I mean, we didn't, we weren't running USMTS or anything like that. Um, I only attempted to do that once. And after the third motor, I blew up in the second car I directed. <laughs> I decided that was not the place yeah. I needed to be. Um, actually, I think my dad helped that process yeah. on the, that we didn't need to be doing that. But, um, but like I said, I didn't sit in to, to win the championship that year. I just went over there to, to race and have fun. And, and man, you know, at that time, um, people didn't whine and complain about getting dirty when they got to a dirt track. I mean, I don't, I still don't understand that philosophy. Today. I have no idea. That's why you know, we're keeping cushions and muddy racetracks. Yeah. I do not know. <laughs> um, well, fans can't get dirty. Folks, it's a dirt track. Right. I mean, you know where on. you're going. Yeah. yeah. Um, but back then, I mean, the tracks were smooth, the tracks were slick. Every week, yeah. you could run wherever you wanted to on the tracks. And like I said, you know, I, I said earlier, learning to drive at North Fork and Joplin in that slick stuff, uh, man, Bolivar, whenever, when it opened, it was big and high banked and fast. Mm-hmm. But man, when it would slick off, it, it was so much fun. Yeah. And and the top was the fast way, but when it would get slick, you could move around on that thing and do some stuff. Um yeah, I, I raked a lot of quarter panels off coming off turn two on the back stretch. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, seen a, I, I never got to drive the track, but I swear the wall had a U in it. By the way, it looked from the stands because I seen a ton of people dragging on the back yeah, stretch. Yeah, it definitely come up on you quick. But you come off the corner so hard and with so much momentum, um, you were just going to get there, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether you wanted to or not. Um, I, I tell you what, that year uh, when we raced over there, I, I every points night, that we had top three every night. Didn't matter. I could start dead last. I was top three. Mm. When there was no points on the line and there was more money being paid, I sucked. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was stupid. I, I I had no reason for it other than the fact that I was maybe trying harder or something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I we had two or three better money nights over there that year. And, man, I was horrible. And, uh, but like I said, that you know, we had one night, <laughs> it was right before we went to the Harris Clash, and that was the year that Scotty Allen won the Harris Clash. And, uh, his trans, he had got stuff kind of ready to go up there. Well, Scotty's a big Ford guy, and instead of running Chevrolet transmissions behind, his Ford motor, like most normal people do. Scotty ran, he was Ford everything. Mm-hmm. And this old transmission he had kept popping out of gear and locked up on him in the heat race. And he spun in front of the whole field. And I was right behind him. But when he spun, I spun to miss him. And to, I mean, we doored up together. And here come the field. And I didn't think they were going to quit hitting us because I don't know how many cars are in the heat race, but I thought 30 of them hit me. <laughs> Um, I mean, I had cars hit me in the door, roll up across the, you know, one of them literally hit me in the front bumper, rolled up my hood to the roof, rolled back down. <laughs> um, I mean, wadded some stuff up, but I was in this points race. And if I did this today, you couldn't pay me to do what I did that night. Um, boy that used to help me, Shannon Green, he, uh, he was there with us and, uh, come in and dad's like, well, it's pretty tore up. So we just need to get it loaded up and, you know, take it back to the shop and fix it. And I'm like, it's not hurt that bad. It's just bolt on stuff and cheap metal. So we started taking the 
watered up sheet metal off, which was most of it. Um, <laughs> changed out like pretty much everything with spindles and hubs on the front end of the car. Got it back. We had everything pretty well set up close, you know, from the shop just because we were traveling. We wanted to be able mm-hmm. to change stuff quick. But so I went out at Air Mission, no right side on the car. I think I had a a piece of aluminum strapping holding the roof front and back, just holding it to what little bit of deck was in there because mm-hmm. the right side deck pieces were gone because they were tore up. No hood, no nose. Um, I had a left door, the roof, left sail panel, and I may have had left quarter panel, but I can't remember that part of it. And I went out there to run a couple laps. I didn't have a fire suit on. I put my helmet on and went out on a track. And and it was, you know, it was always cool to race there because of the the tier parking, mm-hmm. you know, parking up around the top. And they either loved you or hated you. Because, I mean, I'd go by there and people had their fist in their ears screaming and hollering and cheering. And I'd go by there and people would be giving their fingers, <laughs> you know. And, uh, man, that night I rolled out there at intermission and uh, just to kind of feel the car out. Because I told Dad, I said, i got to go out there and i got to start this race because, you know, I don't, I don't want to lose the points over this. Mm-hmm. So I went out there just to make sure everything felt okay. And, man, I could hear the people in the grandstands and the interior parking over my car when I pulled on the track cheering because I came back out. That's awesome. And, and I mean, that was just, that motivated me. Yeah. Um, so I came back in and, and we got ready for the feature and dad's like, let's go out there and make a couple laps and, and pull in. And I said, okay, we'll see how it goes. He had no idea what I was going to do. Of course I didn't really either when I got out there, but, um, we started 22nd that night and, um, you know, run second. That's awesome. Oh, it was so much. Yeah. Fun. And it was a man, that whole place, that place was on fire whenever <laughs> that race was over. Um, I mean, the people that normally were flipping me off up there were, were, were cheering. Yeah. Uh, it was just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Racing was so much different than, than what it is today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because people came to have a good time and that's the big thing about that car. You know, we're talking about, um, you know, not being able to be on top of it as much. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I still want to win races. And I, I still think I'm plenty capable in races, um, but I just want to go out and have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I miss that aspect of it. And that's, I was talking to Eric Turner about that. Cause he, you know, when I found out he was in a B mod, so what are you doing in a B mod? He said, man, I just want to have fun again. Yeah. And I said, that's, I said, that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. I said, I just, I miss that, you know, cause when we used to travel and stuff, I mean, it wasn't just us that, did, that would go there was other people that would go, right. you know, and go race and just hang out and, and we'd cook at the track, and, you know, we'd go have dinner away from the track and, and just hang out and just enjoy each other's company and enjoy yeah. the, the stuff we were doing. And, and it's so hard to get that anymore. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think sometimes I, I enjoy what I'm doing as much as I do until the ride home or till after it's over. Yeah. And that's what you're, I think that's kind of what you're getting at. You're, you're all there with everybody, but then when you come home, you're like, well, me and this guy, we did this. And right. Yeah. It's fun. Like going racing with my dad, and then acting stupid or whatever in front, and just one more around people because yeah. I know he gets a kick out of it, and I'm glad that he's there. And then it's cool. Now you went through it. Like before, I was always Buck's boy. And yeah. Now that's Ryan's, yeah. Ryan's dad. So you're you now. Went, now it's anybody but Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, that too. You went through that too. You're growing up yeah. as Mike's boy, and then you're now you're you're Gary Clark. So that's yeah. that's got to be cool. It is. I mean, it, it just like I said. I mean, I it's, when I think about the things that I've been able to do, it just 
I, it's still hard to believe that we were able to do all those things. And, um, you know, I, I wish some of it could have been different, but I wouldn't trade any of it for the world because, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's part of what made me who I am mm -hmm. and, uh, um, got to meet all kinds of people, got to be all kinds of places and do all kinds of things. And, um, you know, I, I mean, how, how many people from, from this area can, you know, can realistically, they can dream about that and say that they've actually done it by the time huh. that they get done, you know? I mean, you've got to do some cool stuff. You've got to go race the dome last year. Yeah, I've got to do really cool stuff. <laughs> I've only been doing it uh, six years. And then if you look at it, like if someone from someone else's side, they look at it like you haven't been anywhere. But I've been a lot of places and seen yeah. a lot of cool stuff. The dome was cool. Got to race New Mexico. Yeah. And I've been at this a long time. Not, not quite as long as Gary, but, you know, about six years after you started, that's about when I started. And I was, you know, 12. And... Well, make me feel old thanks <laughs> <laughs> but what i don't know what what you guys have done in your time is you know that's for most people like me just an average racer and you know we we dream of the stuff you guys do and that's you know people like to hear that stuff because that's what it's what everybody wants to do yeah you know they they want to show up to the track and be competitive every week and not everybody's fortunate enough to get to do that whether it be you know, money or, you know, knowledge. Yeah. And I don't know. Well, and it takes everybody that's at the track. Yeah. You know, I mean, it takes all of us. I, you know, I, I'm probably going to say something that's going to not be popular, but you know, this, this stuff of, of creating new classes constantly, man, when, I mean, even when I was racing, you, you had four classes and you could race those. If mm -hmm. you couldn't race those, then, you know, um, and I get that people want to do different things, but I've heard it and I've seen it said so many different times about watering down the class, especially the modified class. I mean, I don't disagree with having a couple of modified classes, but um, you get it so watered down. I mean, you, you, we used to show up and have 30 car fields every week. Mm -hmm. Well, mods now, if you can get a 15 car field, you're doing something pretty That's spectacular around yeah. here. That's big numbers. You know, B mods are, are phenomenal. Uh, and the Midwest mods are picking up pretty good. Um, but you know, the, the, the A mod, I mean, just for what it takes to run one nowadays, I mean, it's just not the, it's not the weekly racers thing, mm -hmm. you know, a weekly racer with a nine to five job. It's no longer feasible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way, <clears throat> no way to do it. Like I think it needs to be done. And, and, you know, I, I, I applaud Jerry for going ahead and bringing IMCA in. He's, he's threatened to do it for a lot of years now. Uh, you know, I mean, I applaud him for doing that because um, I hope Todd Stavis not listening to this, but I mean, if he is, I'm going to get a, a nasty message, but, but I mean, for the weekly racer um, and I hope not too many motor builders, and I'm friends with are listening either, but, <laughs> but for the weekly racer, the crate motor is makes sense mm -hmm. because it lets, it lets you guys, it lets me, you know, if, if we're, if that's what we can afford and be able to go and have fun and, and, be, competitive. and be competitive, yeah. you know, we can do it on a budget. Yeah. You know, we don't have to spend seven, eight, nine thousand dollars on a bond motor to mm -hmm. be, to be fast. Right. You know, um, I mean, I, I, I called and was talking about the concept motor last week because I was curious about it because I didn't know a lot about it. I'd, I'd read the rule and I, so I said, 
my exact statement was, so it's basically a rebuildable crate motor. And they said, yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. But it costs as much as a as a spec motor. Right. right. He said, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Math here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm going to spend that much money, I'm probably just going to go ahead and buy a spec motor. But, uh, but you know, I mean, I, I like I said, the, you know, the A-Mod stuff, the, the 604 to me um, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, for for the weekly racer, I'm not saying for for the USMTS for the traveling stuff. I'm not saying that it needs to be that. You know, if those guys can afford that and they can continue to have a good show, then that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And and there are guys that can. I'm, and Duval's probably going to give me a bunch of crap about what I'm saying too. Uh, Duval's. Uh, I mean, he's a big proponent of the crate. Yeah, he's on the he feet. I mean, he's in, caught in the middle of that. He is because he's he has both. Yeah, he's um, on the big side of the crate. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, he is. yeah. But he's but, yeah, he's but you know the the 604. I mean, can be competitive even with those guys when the mm-hmm. track's right. I mean, we've seen it. We're just, yeah, we're talking about last week, Scott Drake. Yeah. He yeah. came at Shady Oaks that night. Scott Drake, though. Buddy Scott. <laughs> yeah. Ricky Thornton Jr. did it last year. Yeah. Team America ran right. second with 604. And right. He, of course, he's Ricky Thornton. Right. But, but, but I mean, no, but it can be done. Oh, yeah. It can be done. You know, yeah. um, and, and and to me, that's what's going to help the weekly racing is, is to be able to, to, to have something that's competitive that you're not spending a year's worth of wages on. Yeah. Yeah. To have to, you know, to be competitive. If uh, if anyone else went IMCA around here, would that be something you'd consider getting back in? You know, I I have actually, in the back of my mind, when things are right, when that motor dies, I, I've been kicking around, um, and and possibly whenever we get the new car built, um, you know, looking about trying to get a six hundred four. That'd be cool because yeah. because I could go run an IMCA stuff. I could mm-hmm. go and run usra stuff yeah and and be i mean especially the tracks around here still be competitive yeah we ran 604 and did good i didn't know what i was doing yeah. still did, it did pretty good with it so and see that's that's the kind of stuff that, that being able to see you know duval's ran good with them i'm guessing mostly he runs the 525s but yeah but scotty ran at 604 down there and and i, I think he ran one over at lucas one night mm-hmm. and ran and striegel's ran a 604 over at lucas in the in a mod stuff a little bit yeah and you know to, to see those still be competitive on that track you know that that is a thing that that's you know gives me hope that says yeah. hey you know you can still run pretty and like track like Nevada, Spring, be, you know, just fine yeah. Of course Springfield's IMC now, but I mean those little tracks. We ran six oh four with uh, the open cars and <clears throat> everything was good. Yeah, it's just like Springfield, Nevada and stuff. Momentum tracks, it's it's going to be just fine. And yeah, I'm going to run a six oh four at the Show Me. So if I do decent, there's hope. There you go. <laughs> so there's some hope. Um, I got. I don't know. You've won a bunch of races, but is there anything in particular that stands out more than other one race that you're most proud of? You know, I I, I was just thinking about questions you might ask since you asked me to do this, and um, there were there's three races that that are I feel like are my top three favorite ones as far as and and one of them was that Bolivar race I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing special, but just the way it happened and the way it right. all worked out. I didn't even win. You know, but just the fact that we were able to do that and, and to get the reaction that we did from the crowd was awesome. Because, I mean, that's let's face it, that's what we're there for is to put on a show. Right. You know, if we're not putting on a show, if, if we get out there, I t- before I answer your question, what really made me decide the modifieds were where I wanted to be and where I wanted to stay in, I think it was in 93, 94, it's right before I started racing, um, we went to Muskogee. Uh, to have Tampa Late Model Show at the end of the year was the Oktoberfest. And my dad and I went down there, we're watching. 
But we watched the modifieds go out there. Maybe this, maybe actually that may have been the year before I went down there and raced. But anyway, it doesn't matter when it was. But we went out there because I'd always wanted to go to a late model. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, because man, late models are cool. They're they're fast. They're you know they look mean. Modifieds are just modifieds. Of course, I mean the modifieds have come a long ways what they look like. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, modifieds were out there for forty laps, top, middle, bottom, running all over that racetrack, making grooves. And passing each other. That Avatampa race comes out there. They do their driver introduction. They do their parade lap. They get the green flag. And it was like the inside row parted so the outside row could fall in. Mm-hmm. And they followed a leader for 100 laps. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I'm done. I don't nope, I don't have to do that. I'm not saying all late model races I've seen. No. But a lot of them are a race to the rubber. Yeah. yeah. But but that's what I'm saying. You know, To put on a show, that's, you know, and when I, when I watch that, it's like, nah. But you're right. No, not all late model shows are like, like, are like that. But uh, there's a lot of. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and, and I think that's one of the things that, one of the reasons why, like at Lucas, they, they, they farm the track so much for the, for the show me like they do to try to keep it a competitive race. <laughs> I know. I'm not a big fan of it. Don't, don't I'm not dude. The first time that we went to super nationals and they farmed that track, I about threw yeah. up last year at the show me. It was perfect on Thursday. And then I asked Dan Robinson that night. I said, you track going to be like this tomorrow. And he said, no, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> you should have known the answer to that. I thought, Why? It's on TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God dang it! But uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to my back to my favorite races. My uh, the other two, um, of course, the year that I won Harris Clash um, to be at Knoxville. I was gonna say I was in Knoxville because <clears throat> it just finally came back to Knoxville. Well, it was Deer Creek last year. It's it was in Knoxville, yeah. and then they put the boot to him for some reason. Yeah, I don't know what's went on there exactly, yeah. but uh, Knoxville would be uh, incredible to uh, race, race at the amount of history that's there. I mean, the guys that have raced there over the years. Uh, uh, to be able to stand in victory lane where those guys have stood. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and, and to win a race there, I mean, it was awesome. It sucked because I lost a motor. It got claimed yeah. because it was IMCA. So, but that's part of – when you raced IMCA, that's what – you know, I mean, you knew it was a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't ever in the stuff like what Drake was talking about, about where you had to go get yeah. one the next week to keep going or whatever. Yeah, that was or I lost one to get one. But, yeah. um, and then the, the other one that, that ranks up there um, – in 2010, um, like I said, my dad passed away in 2009, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do as far as racing goes. Um, I just kind of – I went through a rough couple of years there personally, um, you know, just uh, depressed a little bit and stuff. And But one of the boys that worked here, Steve Arduzer, he had uh, – him and another guy that had worked here, and he worked here um, – he actually worked with me when we were at Phoenix, um, and then he had actually in between that he had worked at uh, Evolution with Andy. His name's John Wall. Anyway, John and Steve built this car, and Steve just lives across the street from me. And Steve had this. Steve just had this old wooden deck on the back of his house, and I watched these guys take this old DW8 cage they got from out here from my dad that he gave them to build this car with, and they built this thing sitting on his deck. And of course, <laughs> I'm thinking the whole time they're going to burn this deck down. So, you know, burn the house down, and then Steve's going to get divorced. And it's <laughs> so anyway, they get this car built, and Steve didn't have a motor, so he kind of partnered up with another guy a little bit, and that didn't end up working out very well. So he came. He said, "Hey, you want to drive my car?" And I'm like, "Okay." He said, "I don't have a motor motor for it." And I said, "Well, I got a motor that'd be really good for that." And uh, 
It's a little. It's a 364. As I won more races with that combination than I have anything else I've ever had. That and a 331. And when I tell people I had a 331 in a car, they're like, "What's that and why?" <laughs> um, but anyway, put this 364 in this car, and we ended up having two different cars that year because the first one that they had built, we ran it like six times. I won three of the six times with it. Should have won at least five of them instead of just three. But um, so anyway, we had there was a guy who wanted it like now and was willing to pay good money for it. So we had a we had another car out here was DW11 and we cut the cage out of it, which the eight to the 11 was pretty much an identical car as far as how they were built. But the, the cage was bigger. So it was easier for me to get in and out of at that point in time, which the eight was, the eight was designed for a little guy in mind, I think, but none of us that worked here were ever very little, but except for Drake and Rex, but the rest of us were all pretty good sized <laughs> guys. But anyway, um, so we, we took that 11 and we built that, the next street stock out of it in, uh, put it together, partnered up on it and put that motor back in it. And, uh, a year to the day that my dad had passed away, we were, we went to South Coffeeville mm -hmm. and ran it. We'd went down uh, one time earlier uh, in the year and, uh, car was fast, but I don't know what the deal was. We got back cause the, the car just shut off. I mean, I was, I was coming through the field and, and the car just quit running. Well, we got back to the shop and I pulled the fuel filter out and it looked like somebody had took, and shredded a paper towel and packed it in the fuel line. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, so the stainless element had sucked itself shut. So we got that stuff fixed, and it was towards the end of the year, so we went back down there again. And like I said, it was a year to the day, um, and I got because I got the trophy at the house. But um, Steve got to keep all the trophies that we won with those cards except for that one. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're not keeping this, and I'll fight you for it. <laughs> so that, that one is... You know, like I said, it's not nothing special except for the date. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of like a closure thing for me, I think. That's cool. That's, uh, that's very cool. I, I got to get back to this 13 thing one, one more time. <laughs> Your dad quit 13 years. Did you ever think your 13th year, like, whoa, maybe he's on to something? I, you I know, my 13th season was a little rough. Really? That's it's, that crazy. It's weird. And, and I think it was more of a mental thing because, I mean, honestly – Dude, I used to be so superstitious with some of this stuff. And what's crazy is when my dad raced, we used to go to KFC on the way to the racetrack oh, in Nevada. Rex Merritt oh, he, would yeah. not no. <laughs> do no. anything like that. Um, we, we, I mean, on the way to the track, my, and my dad would win races. So, But whenever I started racing and we heard this whole chicken thing, man, it, it got kind of iffy. So, I mean, we've got kind of... Um, like I said, superstition was something, but the thing about it is you can psych yourself out. It's no different to playing mind games with somebody. Yeah. You yeah. know, that is a mind game on yourself. So, um, so honestly, all the crap that I had go on that year was just more self-induced than anything. You got, did you get think about that specifically? Like, Oh, this is my 13th season and stuff. Happened. I did. And you related. I did. I, I was like, crap, this is the 13th year. And oh my gosh, this is horrible. No wonder dad quit at 12 years. We got a couple questions here. Austin went out and grabbed my phone. Uh, Kenton Allen wants to know who was the most talented fabricator that worked at Dirtworks throughout the years, oh, in your man. opinion. That's, <laughs> that's a hard answer. That, because that's a really good question. I mean, all the guys that worked here, uh, I mean, you know, we talked about the ones that went out and did their own stuff. I mean, they all had their their wheelhouse. I mean, they were all excellent fabricators, or they wouldn't have been here. I mean, my dad, the, the cool thing about it is a lot of the guys that came here and worked here, 
may not have actually had a big fab background. Mm -hmm. Um, but because of, you know, I mean, my dad was very particular about how he wanted stuff to look and how he wanted it to be. Um, I mean, Andy was awesome. Andy was our original sheet metal guy. I mean, aside from James, because like I said, James Ramsey was the one that, that built the cars originally. Uh, my, him and my dad welded them out and, and James would do the sheet metal work. But then when Andy came in here, then James was just the chassis guy and Andy was doing sheet metal. And, you know, from there as it progressed and we started getting more and more people in here, we had these guys here to, um, to kind of pass along their knowledge and, and, and show these guys how to do the, the stuff that, I mean, my dad, he, I mean, he was, he was picky. Mm -hmm. If you couldn't weld, I mean, you know, I'm, I don't know how many stories you've heard from Hoffman about coming up here to go to work, but I mean, there was a, it was a long time before my dad would let him weld. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because because the way that he welds today, you know, and and when he left here is nothing like the when he came up here. I would use that today part very loosely. Well, I, but, <laughs> it, but you know what I mean? No, I, no, I've I, seen, I, I, he, yeah, I he doesn't do a whole lot of welding at all. But yeah, um, but when he does, I mean, he still does a, a, a good job. Yeah, on it. and, and that's. That's one of the things that he that he picked up here. So I mean, to to just pick one out, man, it that is a tough one. That's I mean, a good question. It is. I mean, you had you were building so many cars, and you said what, like two fifty? We got up to where we were doing about two hundred fifty a year. That's that was another question Dylan Allen wanted to know is how many chassis Dirtworks built, and he's always heard, heard stories that were rolling a car out a day in your guys's peak. Honestly, it was it was the way that they were doing it. At one point in time, and it, it worked out to about a car a day. Um, I mean, when, we, when it slowed down, it wasn't, you know, through the summer months. But in the winter when we were busy, they would they would get seven chassis done a week. Wow. And and what, it ha what would happen is um, they'd get here in the morning, and Ramsey would build the first one. Well, the rest of the guys that were here would, um, would weld it out, get it bracketed, and done. Well, then that afternoon or late afternoon or early evening, they'd start another chassis, get it tacked together and, and get it welded out. Well, then they'd have it off the jig where they could start bracketing it the next morning while James would build another chassis. And it was just, I mean, it was crazy the, the amount of stuff. I mean, some of the loads of stuff that went out of here uh, to dealers, I'm talking like six, seven chassis on, on a trailer. That's crazy. Um, you know, chassis and rollers on, on trailers. I mean, there was a, there's a picture, I think it's at my mom's house. Um, Guy from New York came in here. And, New York. From Walker, Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> in the 90s with no yeah. internet. Yeah. Crazy. Um, you know, he, he came in here and they, they had, they picked up like two, um, they picked up a new roller and a new partial roller and they bought, I think there's like five or six cars on their trailer. But the one that beat that was a guy from Florida because um, he bought, he came up here and picked up some new cars plus he bought um, just like those guys did, he bought up a bunch of the, the used cars that we had. And I mean, he was buying like stuff that needed stubs cause he was taking it down there and doing like what we had done, you know, turning his street stocks and mm -hmm. stuff. But he left out here with like seven or eight chassis on a trailer one time. Not, in, you know, not a, one of them was a roller and the rest of them were mostly chassis. But, um, we, we put, there was some guys from out West and I can't remember if they were from Phoenix or where they were from, but, we put a chassis and interior on top of an enclosed trailer for him one time. <laughs> and there's some crazy stuff that went that, out of here. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Allen sent me a text also. Wants to know about if he wants to know about running the 2004 Batesville, Batesville race 
I'll tell 100 with people, Bloomquist, Bill Elliott, Dave Blaney. Did you run that race? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Dylan Dylan Allen is kind of like, a, he's worse than me. He's a, a nerd with this stuff. Oh, yeah. So let him. Well, he's he's just like, I mean, he grew up in it. Yeah, he grew up around it. And yeah. I pulled out a shoebox at New Year's Eve. He was at our house. I pulled out a shoebox, these old pictures I had from when I used to buy Ron Mitchell out. And he was naming all these all these people and it was where they were not his region people yeah he's a nerd about this stuff that's yeah. awesome when i get talking to him i did i did run that race that was uh that was an interesting deal and, and honestly i mean there's a lot of old school guys that will point at that race and say that's when modified racing started to turn the corner and go the wrong way right because of those specialty built cars right uh, I, I said it before we, we got to drive i got to drive the car that bill fry built for that race yeah and it was dangerous because it was light yeah it's nice well but, i'm not gonna say that there wasn't a lot of chassis builders built some like cars over the years yeah, that, that one was purpose built i guess so that was the yeah. only one that i've ever seen i mean but. there was a few cars that were built specifically for v6s that came out of this shop really yeah that's crazy yeah they were <laughs> they were light Eric yeah. Turner hates to talk about V6s. Really? Oh, I used to. I, and I, I didn't run them very much around here. I'd run them at Urbana just mostly because Urbana was pretty easy on them. Mm-hmm. And it was little. And, uh, man, he hated it when I'd come over there with V6. <laughs> oh, he just. Was it Wayne Brooks that was a V6 Wayne had guy? had a V6. And he would just run yeah. all over people with it. Yeah, the guys that did a lot of that was, uh, they were out of Texas. It was um, um, George White and Paul White and, and, uh, Bo Rowden, they drove for um, for Paul Cook. And, man, and we ended up with some of – and that's the motors I actually ran over to Urbana. Um, we got them about the time that they started to kind of turn the rules against them. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of had to run them here and there wherever we could. And uh, But they were crazy little motors. I mean, mm-hmm. the power that they made was, was stupid for what they were, and uh, it was a very usable power band. So we got – having troubles here reading this stuff <laughs> just trying to go through and pick out some of the stuff we haven't already covered out of uh, tim evans wants to know like dw one two three which one was most successful but you well, said eight, eight, eight was, was i mean oh here, here's what i was gonna ask is tim evans also how stressful was the four bar revolution for you guys oh my gosh <laughs> that's a pretty good question too because remember what i said a while ago whenever i run really bad is because i was putting new suspensions on the car yeah that was about bar. the time that i would really start where, to struggle where did that start was that something you guys started or was it late model stuff that kind of came this it was trickle down from the late models um i honestly i don't i can't sit here and, and say 100 percent that we were the first ones that had um, four bar on a modified, but I really think that we were one of, if not the first, um, I know, I know the first two or three people that had them. I know, I know first couple of them, um, was Doug Shoop. And then of course, Andy, Andy, <laughs> man, Andy used to build some exotic stuff. <laughs> um, cantilever cars. And I, you know, I had a lot of fun. I used to, before I started racing, I used to get to travel around with some of these guys. I, I, I've been on the road with Rex, which is an adventure. I can I cannot wait to get get a hold of Rex for this. <laughs> you know the thing about it is, some of the stories he tells, he doesn't remember the whole story, <laughs> and, it, and I give him a hard time about his eggs being scrambled all the time because of his, all of his asphalt Rex yeah. and stuff. But, um, but man, he's got a lot of, of awesome stories, and there's some funny stuff. I mean, I when he was put into the Hall of Fame, I, I uh, he asked if I would do his his induction speech and. And I said, are you sure you want that? And he said, man, I can't. He said, and he told me, he said, I can't think of anybody better, you know, anybody I'd rather have do it than mm-hmm. you because because we've been through so much life together and 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 stuff. And and I, I mean, 
we can see each other family. I mean, I text him. I say, Hey dad, what's up? Yeah. And he calls me son and stuff. And, but, uh, there's a story that I told during that it's, it's a, and it's real. Um, I watched him one night. He picked up a new motor and it was in a trailer and, uh, we were at Monette and he takes a quart of oil and dumps it all over this motor and, and goes and grabs a bunch of dirt and starts throwing it all over this thing. I said, what are you doing? And he said, <laughs> I don't want them guys to think this thing's any kind of nice piece. He said, it's a piece of junk. They don't need to know what it is. <laughs> so, and his tools, you didn't want to borrow his tools because they were the same way as like oil drenched stuff. <laughs> and, and, but yeah, I mean, it was because he just didn't, you know, he wanted people not to think that he had anything yeah. very nice. But. You got to see the Rex Merritt turn the page of the rule books era. Oh my God. How cool was that? I, you guys yeah. are upfront and personal with all of that. Yeah. That's that's what I knew him by growing up. Was, it's funny because, you know, we were talking about lightweight cars and, and there was a car that was built one time that the cage was just a little bit too small on and it went to an IMCA race and they uh, they told him, next time we see this car, you better have it fixed because you, we're not going to let you run it. So <laughs> we go to Super Nationals that year and it was a different car. But it looked identical. I mean, the body was the same. The the lettering was the same. Everything was the same about it. Same colors. And and they walked over to it with their gauge. And they just they looked at Rex kind of like this. And they went like this. And it wouldn't go on around the roll bar. And they're like, oh, glad you fixed this. <laughs> but yeah, there was some statues and limitations have run out on a lot of this stuff. So it's okay to talk about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, man, there was some crazy stuff that we used to try to get by with and that we did get by with um i love the oil cancer story <laughs> it's yeah. it's a real deal i i i swear to you as well as i'm sitting here i watched you do it and i said <laughs> you're nuts that's just wild that's that's i don't know only only rex's mind could come up with something like that oh yeah yeah <laughs> You know, and he, he did some crazy body stuff because they, you know, when the modifieds came out, they wanted to be uh, the subcompact body styles, you know, the Cavaliers and, and Chargers and et cetera is what it said in the rules. Et cetera. <laughs> so he built this sail panel on this car that was bigger than some of the stuff we've got today lengthwise. And he showed up and they're like, what's that? And he said, it's an et cetera. It's right there in your rules. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, it's a wonder some of this stuff. It's a wonder traveling down the road with him sometimes that I survived to be able to tell some of these stories because <laughs> he didn't always have some of the finest equipment to go up and down the road in. Yeah. <laughs> with that one old van that he had, it had a plate from something on the front and something else on the back because he used to work at R&R Salvage. Well, he'd go out and find plates that were still in, in date. Still in date. <laughs> he didn't ever have the same plate on the front and the back of that thing. And we went from here to Florida and I think, I don't know how many times. And, uh, yeah, it was. It's a wonder that we survived some of those trips. But <laughs> then I got to travel with Andy some after he started working here, and um, that was like traveling in luxury, you know. Yeah. After some of that stuff I'd done with Rex, but uh, one of the coolest things w- with Andy was um, at the Oktoberfest. I think it was the first year that they'd done it down in Muskogee, really, with the modifieds and stuff. And um, I don't remember what happened in the heat race, but. He broke and he had to run the alphabet to get to the A. And 
Uh, he just kept coming through and coming through and coming through. And he got to the A and he ended up winning the A. God dang. Oh, yeah. And it, and that's hard. I mean, that would be hard to do today. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, you, you think about stuff like at the Kegger and the Spooker and stuff when they used to run the alphabet soup races mm-hmm. like that. I mean, there were guys that would come through and do that. They'd, you know, they'd win and win and win and win and win and, and maybe even end up winning a main mm-hmm. event. Um, first off, you don't have that that big of a field anymore. And second off, I mean, it just it would be so hard to do now with the way the competition is and, and stuff. If there's – no one asked this, but I asked Scott, if there's anything in particular you could change about today's era or today's racing, what would it be? If you're, if you're king for a day, what would you – and whatever you said went and it all worked out to where no one was complaining, they just did it. What, oh. what, I know that's a hard part in itself, but yeah. what, what do you think needs to change? That lack of complaining part wouldn't happen, but um, – <laughs> you know – Honestly, I mean, I think the one of the big things, and, and I think he may have said it, but I, I saw this, um, I think it was Larry Leatherman posted a deal about Joe Gerson's funeral and, and all the guys that were there, you know, be able to see him that he hadn't seen in a while. And uh, and Donnie Barnhart made a, a statement that he that he quoted, and it, and it talked about the camaraderie that we used to have. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and I talked about it earlier. When we, we traveled around, we'd, we'd run up down the road together. You know, we'd share hotel rooms and – and eat together and stuff. I mean, that's something that, that this generation of racer isn't ever going to understand because it's not anything that ever happens anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the biggest things for me that I remember when I started racing versus now is, is the fan involvement. You know, it, it you never hardly you never hardly see the fans coming to the pits anymore. Um, yeah, Oliver growing up as a kid, when the races were over, we were lined up at the gate yeah. to, to go down that hill yeah. and get and bug someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and and dude, I, I mean, that's that was so much fun to, to be able to, to sit there and sign autographs for kids and yeah. stuff. I mean, because if it wasn't for, for kids like you and, and, and other kids that were down there getting autographs, I mean, racing would have died off by now. Yeah. I know somewhere I, t- I asked my dad if he could find it before I came down here. He's got one of your old shirts that we've gotten signed from Bolivar. So oh, yeah. that's kind of cool. Like I, I knew, I mean, I knew you were racing, but I had no idea who you were. And here we are. Yeah. I'm 26 years old now. We never talk, talk stuff with you. So it made it somewhere along the line, someone made an impression and you certainly helped with that. I'm sure to get us where we're at. And that's what we need now. Yeah. It is. I mean, it, you don't, we talk about these guys that, that we used to have. I mean, and I don't even consider myself as part of this group. I mean, I, I've seen lists and people put me in lists and stuff. But, I mean, we talk about those guys we've been talking about. I mean, um, those guys that beat it up and down the road all the time. I mean, it was heroes for the kids to to see and, and to get mm-hmm. to know. And, you know, and, and we lack that today. Yeah. Because, like I said, you know, people don't come to the pits to meet the drivers. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you have fan appreciation nights, but generally what they do on that is they knock a couple bucks off grandstand admission. Yeah. You know, they don't bring the drivers over for autograph sessions and stuff. I mean, I, I remember at North Fork, um, they'd have a night, they'd, they'd have us all pull our cars over on the, on the front stretch. And and Humboldt used to do this, and I think they may still do this. Um, I think I've seen Nevada do it the Nevada. last couple of years. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still being done a little bit, but not like it used to be. I mean, you know, and then Nevada – I mean, you're, it's no walk from the pits to the grandstands. Right. I've seen guys sprint from the pits to go up in the grandstands and fight somebody. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not like it's a long distance. But yeah. I saw that a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen yeah. it way more than that, for sure. Yeah. I, I know Midway does it pretty regular in Lebanon. Um, yeah. But growing up, 
at Springfield. Talk about Springfield every chance I get, it seems like. But um, autograph nights, you go buy a flag. or yeah. And if they're out of flags, you buy a hat. You buy something. Right. And you go. Or I mean, you know, and they used to have programs at the track. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they yeah. come with a program. You know, you could buy a program for a buck or whatever mm-hmm. and, and bring it down there and it'd have pictures of your favorite drivers in it. And yeah, wait before results. Yeah. 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 I've got a program full of like uh, just about everybody's autograph, and I believe you're on there too. I know Scott's on there, like Justin Wales, and that was a cool part. You know, I'd get that program, like as Ryan said, as soon as that gate opened, just run down there. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if this might be the racer's fault, might be our fault, but as soon as the races are over, your class is done, most people yeah. are gone. You know, and I and I attribute that to what I was talking about earlier about time. Guys, just they you run out of time anymore. Yeah, you know. Um, now, since the tracks are getting over with earlier again from what they were for quite a while, yeah. You know, there's no reason we can't hang out for another thirty minutes or an hour. You know, yeah. where you know when you get done when your class gets done at midnight and there's still three classes left to race, you just yeah, yeah it's part yeah. of it. Yeah. I get in trouble for it all the time. My girlfriend, like, we'll be done racing for an hour and a half. My stuff's still out in the grass. Yeah. Like, this, yeah. just watching, <laughs> just looking around. And so that's one of the reasons why I like, I mean, I went, I went to Iowa and bought an open trailer. And that's why I like to, in fact, this late mall that's sitting here, the guy brought it down on an open trailer the other day. He says, you know, he said, I'm old school. He said, he said, kids can't see a race car in an enclosed yeah, trailer. My dad is up. a big, big supporter of open trailers. Yeah. Well, one, we can't afford an enclosed, but two, for that reason, we've been like Taco Bell or whatever. Yeah, there's a kid want to come look at it. Oh yeah, check it out. Yeah, come on up here. And so I've been I've been fortunate. You know, I've I've I I was a camp director at the Christian camp up the road here for a few years, and and I've got to take my race car up there. Mm-hmm. And when you take it up on on an open trailer, they can see it while it's on the trailer. Right. You know, so it, it's easier to deal with that way. But then of course, then the the caretaker always wants you to unload it and go cut donuts in the grass. So that's always <laughs> fun too. And that gets the kids fired up and excited. You know. And, you know, to, to be able to share that kind of stuff with them so they can see it's okay to do outside stuff like that, you know, yeah. um, it's pretty pretty awesome. If you can see a race car on a trailer, you can identify it with they're going to the racetrack. Yeah. And that's something they, make, they, they can check out at some point. But, and my sister, at this, I guess it could go along if you if you could change something. My sister asked last week, too, what, what frustrates you most with where we're at today? My, I'm... I know that's probably going to get similar answers with similar people, but my sister asked that, and I thought that was a pretty good. Yeah, because maybe someone can listen to this and then they could think, "Oh, I do that." Let's. let's I think. Not. I think the biggest thing is, be, you know, we've got a lot of racetracks that are shut down. We named off a handful of them all ago: Butler and Adrian, Butler, Joplin, Adrian, North Joplin, Fork. North Fork. You know, I mean, it. It doesn't take anything for that to happen nowadays because car counts are low. People aren't going as much as they used to. Um, and for people to be on the internet running their mouth about how terrible a show was or, you know, I mean, I, I, Saturday night, Lucas got to race. The main reason Lucas got to race because of pit area. If yeah. they didn't have the pit area, they do, they could not have raced. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that they might've still tried. Um, but, but bottom line is the main reason that they could even attempt to race is because of the pit area that they have. They tried. Yeah, was the track very good? From everything I've seen and heard, no, it was not very good. But everybody going that night, we all knew. Knew, yeah, we knew. You knew how much rain we'd had last week. You yep. knew how much it rained Friday and a little bit Saturday morning. So you knew it was not going to be the perfect scenario. And and I know them guys try hard over there. Um, I mean, I worked over there with with Gary and him for not at the track, but um, 
you know, at, at the ranch and stuff. I worked over there for like a year and a half. So I know the work and effort that they put into that track. Um, I know that they seal that thing up when it's getting ready to start raining so they can try to keep as much water out of it as they can. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're only going to do so much cause it's dirt. Right. Um, you know, but, but instead of negatively complaining because the track was so rough and, and, and so muddy, be thankful that they opened, you know, because that's something that people, they don't understand anymore. They, They don't understand being grateful for what you have as opposed to everybody feels entitled anymore. Yeah. I mean, I don't see that in, in you guys, but I mean, the young, your, your generation of, 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 of people and even younger than you feels like they're entitled to something all mm-hmm. the time. And you know, they don't want to earn it. It's my right to have it. No, it's not. It's your right to have it. If you're going to work for it, but you should be thankful for the things that you have. And, and it's just, it's something that that is so much lacking anymore. Right. And it goes partly back to what we were talking about with, you know, the, the open checkbook for these little kids. And, um, and, and those are generally the ones that, that get mad and run their mouth first yeah. when things don't go yeah. their way, when the track's junk or whenever yeah. somebody does them wrong. Um, and it's not the kid that's doing it. It's usually the parent. Yeah. Or the guy that doesn't go to the races very often. Right. just happened to be there. Right. And I, I got on tangent last Saturday, didn't I, over that? Yeah. <laughs> Frustrates, frustrates yeah. me. I, I saw I saw some posts on something about somebody driving rough over there last week and Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't I know don't, what said person's talking. I don't I don't know what yeah. got that set off, but I got to laugh. I was I was yeah. reading it, I'm like and then when all these guys that were being talked about being run over started talking, I was like, Oh, this is this is funny. Yeah. It's a train wreck. And then yeah. if you if you you didn't go, but if you didn't know about what 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 could have happened? You could have read that and be like, Shit, I don't like yeah. that guy either. Yeah, and screw that racetrack. I heard it was rough. Right, you wouldn't go. Right, yeah, that's hard. I, it's hard. <laughs> well, it, it is, and then, like I said, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it's kind of like Joe doing that race down there at uh, at Creek County. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was scared to death of that place because it's a little bitty, that's and it went race. green to checkered. Like, yeah, it's a great race. You know, um, you know, I in fact, I I didn't go. I, I'm not going to sit there and say that I'm for sure going to 100% make it this year, but but I kicked in 100 bucks for lap four of that race, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, um, he helped me out whenever we did the deal up here for, for my dad, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I just, whenever that came up, I, I said, hey, I said to my, I asked my wife about it. I said, what do you think about this? She said, yeah, go ahead and do it. So, um, but, I, you know, the more people talk about, I mean, Oklahoma City, I raced there a, few, a handful of times. Uh, I raced when it was half mile. That was on the verge of scary. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind half mile tracks, but that track was, I mean, I, there's guys I respect because of how they got around that track. And I just, it didn't, <laughs> but, but now, you know, but now the city don't have a racetrack, yeah. you know, because of this, that. And then of course, I mean, and you run into stuff out like, of our hands. Like, yeah, yeah. Like at Joplin. I mean, there was, there was a lot of stuff that was negatively done against that track in Joplin that ended up shutting it down too. But, um, but like I said, there's just so many tracks that, that we've lost and that, that are on the verge of being lost that we can't just sit and just keep bad mouthing them and talking mm-hmm. crap on them. We gotta, we gotta do something different, you know, get out and go to them and, and attend and, and be happy that you get to, Yeah, you know, right. there was a lot of times that I went to the track back in the day and I got done and I wasn't necessarily the happiest person because I'd went because yeah. the track was, was bad. Yeah. But, the fact that I got to go and do it and I was still racing a car, you know, it made yeah. all the difference in the world. There's a lot of times I went to Monette on Randy's last year because we kind of knew what was going on. 
And at that time, we thought Monette was going to be gone. Right. So there's a, sometimes I didn't want to go, but I raced because Randy was allowing us to race, and we didn't know we were fixing to have the next right. year. So, and I didn't really go attend much last year, so I can't. I'm a kind of a hypocrite, but I'm going to start doing the same <laughs> this year because it's so wishy washy. We don't know. Right. We don't know what's going on because there's going to be a hospital built next to it. Right. And you, of course, you read the politics online, and somebody might know something we don't know. So you got to go take care of it while right. it's there. That, and that's just so, it. I mean, you know, you, you never know when when somebody's going to buy the property for something different or mm-hmm. when something's going to happen. So, so yeah, we got to take care of what we got yeah. while we got it. Remember when Butler was on its last half a season or whatever, there's a lot of funky stuff that was going on there and lots of people shooting it down. Yeah. And, that was, and they put up some money several times. And I don't know the backstories on some of the money stuff, but there, it seemed as if they were trying and it was getting shot down every chance it could get. Yeah. They, I don't know what all went on there. I know that was that was a, an odd situation up there. Uh, I know a handful of people have tried to buy it over the last few years. And, and of the tracks around here that are shut down, that one probably would be one of the easier ones to go in there and actually get going again. I mean, it's going to take some work, don't get me wrong. But, uh, I mean, some of these other tracks, like Lynn County, that you know, there's always a... Uh, people talking about somebody's going to open Lane County. Ain't nobody going to open Lane County Speedway <laughs> up. I've been by there and it's in, you know, yeah. it's bad. You know, you see all these pictures on, what was it, Lost Racetracks or something? Yeah, Lost Speedways. Yeah, yeah, Lost Speedways. Yeah. And you see, there's pictures of Lane County on there. And it's cool to see some of those pictures because some of that stuff has been there for years. Yeah. You know, um, Adrian is another track that, that probably could be opened up fairly easily, but, uh, Glenn and his wife live out there and I don't think they have any aspirations of opening a racetrack back mm-hmm. up again. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just sad, yeah. you know, cause I think about when I was growing up about how many different tracks that we had to choose from, you know, and we could race Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, you know, now everybody races on Saturday night, mm-hmm. very few race on Friday and, and, one, on and Sunday. one on Sunday, yeah, which yeah. honestly at the, at when I was a little kid, it was only one on Sunday. It was Monette. Monette. Was, yeah. Yeah. The Sunday part's hard. It is. it is hard. And I, when I worked the dock, I used to go in at two on Mondays. Monette sucked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was like going well, home and shower and head to Taco Bell and go to work. And then Monday afternoon, you're hard to get hold of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was tough living here, you know. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it's even worse for yeah. you guys down here. It's a two-hour trip, right? Yeah. About two hours. Yeah. I just wonder if anybody's – I don't. I mean, I don't even know if this is feasible, but this is just an idea, but – you know, you don't see any new stuff being built. It's usually just somebody opens something that's already built, and I don't know. I mean, it'd probably take a whole lot to uh, just bring something back, or I mean, to build something, build something new. I don't know. I th- I think that would probably awaken a lot of things if there was something between. I don't know Joplin between Joplin and Springfield and like yeah. Joplin and here. I mean. You know, the, the thing about it is a lot of those tracks, you know, we mentioned there, it would almost be cheaper to build a track than it would be to try to clean some of them up. That's why I'm saying those would be some of the easier ones to clean up. Yeah. Uh, most of them, you know, you look at 66, you look at North Fork, um, Lynn County, those tracks. I mean, it's it would take so much to go in there and redo what there is because you're going to just go in there with a dozer and take out most of what's there and start over. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, the 66... People are like, well, but those grandstands were all concrete. Yeah, but it's all cracked up and junk now. And oh, yeah, they're bad. There's so many zoning yeah. things that are going to be a problem trying to get that stuff yeah. going. It's a it's a prime location. when In, in its heyday, I mean, it was hard to beat. 
It was, a, I mean, it's time. It was a state-of-the-art facility. Yep. You know, I mean, it was, yeah. it was the new thing. Um, and, you know, open, I mean, opening night was a fiasco because they didn't have any idea what they were going to have. When they opened that first night, they, they had way more cars and way more people than they ever imagined they were going to have. And, uh, you know, honestly, from the get-go, that place should have been the place mm-hmm. and it was for a while but then as murmuring started happening and complaining started happening and and all those other things started to happen do you remember people like literally yelling at i, I can't i can't remember the name the guy's name i mean i was like 10 12 whatever age i was but i remember people yelling like during the driver's meeting at at the people like whoever was running the driver's meeting i mean they would just sit there and yell oh, yeah. at it was it Unlike anything I've ever seen, I've seen that before too, and and I mean it, and it's not just there. I mean, I've seen. People, oh right, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah, <laughs> you know, and and had they, I, if they would have went about things just a little bit differently there and been more accommodating to the people around them from the from day one, right, as opposed to just saying I don't care what you say, I'm gonna do it my way anyway, because that hurt them. I mean, that hurt them big, and because uh, like I said, I mean that place. I mean, shoot, they had, they'd have Tampa races there, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of big MLRA and, and Mars stuff. World Outlaws. World Outlaws. Oh, yeah. Nice. My first time going was World of Outlaw race. So, well, we're getting, uh, I don't know how far along we, oh, we are here. Oh, 152. But, uh, Gary, is there anything that you want to say in closing? Nope. I just. Anything, uh, anything at all? <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about a lot of stuff. Oh, um, and we could probably keep going for another oh, two or three hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, any any of us that you talk to that have been around this stuff for long, I mean, you can, I mean, we can talk for forever about stuff, right? Um, you know, I appreciate you guys doing this kind of stuff to, you know, to to get hopefully more interest, to get more people interested in stuff, and we're and, trying, <laughs> trying um, hard. You know, it's awesome that you guys have done this and uh, taking an interest, especially in us old guys. <laughs> no. I'm not as old as some of them, but uh, <laughs> compared to you guys, I feel really old. You, would you say you're 26? 26, yeah. yeah. I'm 29. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a couple of days older than you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, I, like I said, I, I just hope people will, will get, start to appreciate what we got because, yeah. um, you know, one of these days we're going to look around and it's all going to be gone and we're going to wonder what happened. And, um, you know, as good as the internet can be to get the word to people, it hurts so much. It gets it to you and kind of pushes you away. Yeah. I wish there was some kind of uh, like a punishment for naive and rude or com- comments that if they were to just look at it with an open mind and realize that they were stupid for yeah. what they said. Right. Like it's obviously raining. You don't have to say anything <laughs> about the track being dumb for closing. Right. Like that I mean. Right. There's no kind. Of, there's no pushback because they got, then they got their friends agreeing. Yeah, that is right. So whatever. Yeah. So, but no, I, I really do. I appreciate you guys getting out and doing this stuff to, you know, just to, you know, if nothing else, hopefully make people aware of, of how things used to be and, and maybe, you know, hopefully get them to, to get things headed the right direction again. Um, they don't like it. We do. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool as heck. I've, yeah. you know, I, I've always enjoyed doing this kind of stuff, talking to people about, about mm-hmm. racing and about stuff. Um, I, you know, I don't. I've done some cool stuff. Uh, I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think of myself as a hero or a legend or anything like that, but I have been blessed to be able to do some awesome things in my mm-hmm. life. And, um, 
things I've seen and places I've been and, and, uh, it's an, it's an awesome, awesome sport when you truly get in it and, and understand it. Yeah. Take a look around all the people I've seen two sides of it and I now respect what other people do much more than I ever did. Now that I've done what I've done, like be in the car and participate, see the working on it part, see the money spending part, yeah, see the picture side of it, and I see what my parents deal with with me racing, yeah, like being just pushing them to the limits every now and again. Scott Drake said that that year I won the Harris class. He said he watched my dad smoke a whole pack of cigarettes, (laughs) (laughs) and he said he made every lap with you in that infield. Of course, in Knoxville, you can't stand on your rig; you have to be on the ground. Uh, we're lucky that for even for that race, they let us leave our rigs in the infield so we have our stuff because mm-hmm. they make the sprint cars unload when they go up there. Really? You know, and uh, he said, I watched him. He said he he made every lap with you. <laughs> and, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, my mom and my dad, I mean, my my dad used to, uh, later on after we'd been doing it for a while, he, he talked to me one day. He's like, you know, he said, every time you go on a track, he said, I pray. And I said, well, I do too. He's like, yeah, but I don't pray for you to win. And I said, I don't necessarily always pray for that. Yeah. Uh, I have. I'm not necessarily proud of that, but, you know, uh, but I, he said, I always just pray for your safety, mm-hmm. you know, that you're going to be taken care of and nothing's going to happen to you. Because he said, you're, you're my boy and I don't want nothing to happen to you. And uh, <clears throat> a couple of the wrecks that I've had made him pretty nervous yeah. until I got out of the car mad and then he knew I was okay. <laughs> but that, that one I was talking about before we went on the air at Sedalia that time, I got out of the car and I was hot. Uh, if I could have, Drug the kid out of the car as he drove by, I probably would have. But, <laughs> um, but I had one down in Florida one time, um, scared the crap out of my mom. We, uh, I started about mid pack and uh, we were in Volusia County. And I don't know exactly what happened. Somebody checked up in front of me, and somebody who was behind me didn't check up when I did and turned me head on into the wall. Well, I slid down the wall with my bumper in the wall for a little ways and I spun off of it going into turn one. <clears throat> like I said, about mid-pack. So, you know, a dozen cars had to pass me from the time I stopped until the old flag. I mean, the old flag was out, but it, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, you know how that works. There's always a hero at the back of the pack. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> There's another story there. But Did you just raise your hand? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Ryan got wrecked one time and... Oh. uh he sat there for a good 30 seconds, and our, our good buddy, T-Bob. Tyler Bob, yeah. ran square oh. into Ryan. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was so mad, and I noticed it was him. I'm like, oh, Tyler. Well, and, and this dude that hit me was a customer of ours, so I couldn't be mad at him. And it hurt him worse than it did me, but when I went, but he, he, he hit me in the left front. I mean, knocked a stump plum off the car, spun the car around a couple of times. But when I went to get out, Cause I really wasn't hurt, but when I went to get out, my foot got hung up on the doors. I went out, got out, so I tripped. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom freaked out. She thought I passed out. I went down. And uh, Arvis Zimbelman, he he lives out in North Carolina now. I don't know if he still works for a Cup Team or not, but he used to work for for Bobins up there for Real Wheels. Mm-hmm. He had a golf cart. Man, he come flying. Cause at that time, we were parked up there on the top of one and two. Yeah, it was where they had the modifieds pit at that time. And man, he come flying down on a golf cart to make sure I wasn't dead. He's like, your mom is, is worried about you. And I said, I'm fine. He said, what happened? I said, my foot got hung up on the stupid seat coming out and I fell over. <laughs> he just started laughing at me. You know, you but. say uh, you like you've, you pray for your safety before a race. That's what I consider like all things leading up to 
what I'm going to do. Like if something odd happens, I'm like, oh, it's going to affect my outcome or whatever. And that's what I consider like a lucky night is whenever it, things come full circle when you go home. Yeah. Nothing, nothing yeah. silly happens. Any, anytime you can leave the track and the car's not in three pieces and, and you're in one piece too. I yeah. mean, that's, that's always a good night. Yeah. I did, I've, I don't know. Sometimes, the trophy's just a bonus at that point in time. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's really cool to when everything goes your way, but then yeah. you got to kind of think like you did get lucky that something stupid didn't break, yeah. you didn't crash, something something out of the ordinary. Yeah. So that's what I consider a, a smooth lucky night is when everything goes good. Yeah. If you do get in a wreck, it's don't really think about it. I guess if if you're cool, everything you just go on. You don't yeah. really think about it, but ever before. We we hit a dog on the way to Monette one night. We clipped it, and I was, everything was gonna go bad, and it <laughs> and it did, but nothing real bad happened. I yeah. mean, just got we got wrecked, but everything was cool. Other than that, so things gotta go smooth. Otherwise, I overthink it. Yeah, big big big, big time. Talk about superstitions with Scott. Oh, see, there so, there you go. You, you're psyching yourself out. I do. You play I, your own mind. Games. I do very much. Yeah. If something something out of the ordinary happens, out of the routine, and just like oh, you, you here, gotta get you gotta get to the point where you can actually play mind games on other people. We did with him one time. And, but, and it, but, the thing about it is, you can. <laughs> Some people think, well, they're they're just being cocky when they do that. You can do it and not be cocky. Be subtle, yeah. yeah. I uh, still, I, you would think that after racing for six years or whatever, I wouldn't get all jonesed up, but I still do. And you said, uh, like, whenever you race three times or whatever, you just kind of fell out of the swing. I think whenever you're full swing racing, your mental, you're as strong oh, yeah. mentally as ever. Yeah. Because I get, would get ran into in 2017 when we raced 50 times or whatever, and it didn't really bother me. Right. But I got ran into in November. And I didn't really race a lot last year, and I had a complete helmet fire and ran a guy off the backstretch, and that's not not where I'm at, you know. Right. So yeah, that's a big deal. So I used I can, to. You mentally, it's no no part physical is it the big deal. It's the mental part. I hope Eric Turner listens to this. I'm going to tell a story on him from one night over at Urbana. But besides the V6 thing, we were over there one night, and uh, we used to do a you drew in and you do a redraw, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I wasn't trying to be cocky. I was just being smart like, because his brother was mouthing me. Because after the heat race, I redrew like a six or whatever. So it inverted the, the max that we could invert mm-hmm. and put me and him back in there. And his brother was giving me a hard time about it. He's like, oh, I didn't, why did you go ahead and have to draw that? Blah, blah, blah. I said, don't matter what I do. I'm going to win anyway. <laughs> and I, I had Eric beat before we got on the racetrack. Just had him flustered. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, uh, and his brother was just like, he couldn't believe I said that. And and I, like I said, I wasn't trying to be cocky or nothing. I was just messing with yeah. him because – but, and I knew, and, and there's just people that you know as you as you race with, and you can say things and do things. Well, right, and, yeah. So Yeah, I wouldn't dare say that in front of someone I wasn't comfortable with, but I can mouth right. to him. Right, and, and that's he, just he it. I mean, that, kidding around. And that's what, that's what goes back to talking about that camaraderie that we had. You know, we were we were friends. We were, you know, mm. we were competitors on the track, but we were friends in the pits and, and away from the track. And, and, you know, you can joke and have a good time with people that you're friends with. And, and, It'll take you all the way serious, yeah. yeah. I heard you talking about your – being cocky with your video and running off the nearest track. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I won't do that ever again. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool stuff. And then I, uh, that's the very first thing I thought when I come pulling back up on the racetrack was that damn cell phone video. Won't ever do it again. <laughs> when you told that so story, I, yeah. When you told that story, I thought about Scotty at, at uh, North Fork one night. He'd been he'd been racing late modeling. Just come from Sedalia, running late model, and he had this car. It wasn't very old. And he went out there to hot lap, and he smoothed on off the end, then turn three, and and there was a bunch of trees out there by fence alert, fence row that was still out there, and he 
parallel park that dude in them trees. <laughs> knocked front rear bumper off of it, knocked the deck off of it. I, since when you were talking about that running off the end of the racetrack, I got to thinking about him doing that. My dad just walked over to him, just looked at him, shook his head. He's like, what? Don't even say it. He said, you're used to that late model with all them brakes. He said, <laughs> you ain't got near the brakes in this car that yeah. you did up there. Uh, so. yep. Danny's son, uh, Jaron, won at Monette last Saturday or two weeks ago on Saturday. It was wide open. And we went to Monette Sunday, and it was crazy slick. Yeah. Ran it off the end like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> and I was the first one to him on the dirt bike, and he was parked on the tires. I said, where are you going? <laughs> he said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> he freaked out. <laughs> so, uh, it's good. It teaches you a lesson yeah. every now and again. But Austin, you got anything? Uh, I mean, not really. Uh, I do want to, and I kind of want to add to this last week, but I kind of forgot to. We kind of got on a, a beer tangent for a while but um anybody's listening i mean i know we've kind of struggled last couple weeks with getting our sound up so if you have a problem listening find some headphones that'll help with past episodes but we'll try to get it fixed this week um i don't know any anything else other than i hope people listening or sharing it and you know telling other people about it we're all we're all about constructive criticism yeah don't, yeah don't tell good, us it sucks tell them why. <laughs> don't tell us it sucks just say why it sucks yeah. we'll work on it yeah. and you guys, you guys are doing a good job i mean i like i said i've only I've, don't get mad at me i've only listened to the one so far that's probably that's good right. it's probably good <laughs> yeah we're getting better, and better but uh <laughs> but i mean just you know the way that you guys are, are doing stuff and, and trying to get people involved in it asking questions and stuff i mean it's that's awesome you know um one of these days when you guys can go live and then you can have people live questioning. Yeah, live and, Q&A. And I'm sure there's more that we hadn't gotten to now, but with the yeah. phone back in here, we got no signal. Yeah, no, but, yeah. But what was asked was, was really yeah. good, I thought. Yeah. And one one more thing got brought up yesterday. It's the money thing. Um, someone put up a thing saying we're going to help them out, and that's fine. You guys think you want to do that, that's fine. We do not ask for money. We're doing this on our own. This is our responsibility. It's not your responsibility to fund what we're doing. Yeah. And, and the post kind of got blew up out of proportion before me and Austin were able to get a hold of it. Um, yeah, I mean, don't, I'll, we do not expect anyone to do this because this is our deal. And if we can't afford to go do something, then that's us. That's not your guys' responsibility to put us on the road or something. We're doing this more or less. It's for me and you because we think it's cool as hell. Yeah. And everyone like, else just gets to listen. Right. So don't, assume that we're out for money because we're definitely not that's not what it is we've never asked for money and if you want to do it great that's fine we'll acknowledge it but don't don't think we're doing it for that and tune us out because that's not the case so that's what i've got because yesterday kind of turned into a deal <laughs> yeah a little bit but uh, yeah. i mean that's that's to be expected with the medium and i think i think you know he won't he won't mind telling us who it was mike was just trying to help oh hellman was trying to help it's just kind of the angle that it we didn't want other people to see it oh, yeah. that way, but yeah. but that's all I've got. So yeah, figured we say that out there too. But Gary, thank you very much for having yeah, us. Thanks for coming up here, you guys. Can finish I, your I, nose I, now. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome you guys came up here and I see got, all this traffic that's going through here. This yeah. that guy's hurt enough too. He's he's gone. done. He <laughs> don't want to play that one. So <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys coming up here. Well, all this thank way, you very so. much. All right.